Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for waiting in there an extra uh, couple minutes. Um, my co-host, uh, Chris Dauhauer, is having a bit of technical difficulties. He'll be joining in a few moments. Um, so we, we eagerly await uh, his presence, uh, but we can get this thing started. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Belly Up Fantasy Live. Um, we'll be continuing the episode that we did uh, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, rather, um, last rendition, <laughs> um, where we did uh, landing spots for rookies in the NFC. This week, we'll be do doing the AFC, um, and we're super, super excited to go over a bunch of those. Um, yeah, super stoked. Uh, a couple housekeeping things that we're going to hit on while we're waiting here for Chris. Um, first and foremost would be the signing of Jarvis Landry to his hometown team, the New Orleans Saints, um, and, and what that impacts in the fantasy football uh, landscape, so to speak. Um, Jarvis Landry had recently been with the Cleveland Browns for a handful of seasons. Uh, before that, he was with Miami Dolphins, um, receiver out of LSU. He is a, a talented football player uh for fantasy however he's really been relegated especially um in cleveland especially in cleveland really been relegated only to a ppr uh receiver and even then really more of a flex player especially the last two seasons um in cleveland uh before that he had you know soaked up a ton of targets um in miami um so what will the move to new orleans mean for him um and i think that really depends on what we think or what we can expect rather out of michael thomas's return um to the field obviously we haven't seen michael thomas um since a, a handful of games two years ago we haven't seen a full season out of michael thomas since what was it 18 um it, it's been quite a while uh so we have chris on now we'll be adding him uh, Chris, so I was, um, before you joined, I was discussing the uh, Jarvis Landry addition to um, the New Orleans Saints uh, before we get into our AFC uh, landing spots for rookies. So what do you, what do you think of Jarvis uh, to New Orleans? Yeah, definitely an interesting move uh, for Jarvis, number one. Pie eat some crow, uh, you know, basically took a, a low salary. I think he was super happy with that probably. But puts chip on the shoulder, going home. You know, played LSU. Um, the guy still has something in the tank. Uh, the injuries basically kind of caught up with him last year where he was nicked up most of the season. But when he's healthy, Jarvis Landry's still a guy who can move the chain, still get open. And you look at this offense, you know, you have a rookie receiver. A lot of people expect a lot of Chris Olave. I like him a lot, but I don't think he's necessarily going to come in, you know, with hitting the ground running. Most rookies don't. Um, and I think then you look at Michael Thomas, you're not really sure what he brings to the table still. But you have guys who can kind of move around. They can kind of line up inside, outside. Jarvis Landry's a guy willing to block. So I think it's a great fit for this offense. And I could be a sneaky, you know, guy you kind of watch. We always look for a 30 receiver that sees offense back in Sean Payton's day. We don't know what kind of offense they're really going to kind of, you know, be now. But James Winston can feed guys. So if there's a couple of receivers that could eat, Jarvis Landry could be one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I think my take here is uh, you mentioned Michael Thomas. We don't know kind of how the hierarchy of this wide receiver group is going to stack out because we've it's been so long since we've seen Michael Thomas. Uh, and, and we've had an unproductive year from Jarvis Landry now. Obviously, Olave is coming in as a rookie. Um, but what I think I do know 
is that this is a night and day difference in terms of the wide receiver talent of this New Orleans Saints team. Um, and for another year of Jameis Winston in the system, for him to get back healthy from his injury, he was playing some of the at least smartest, some of the safest football of his career before getting hurt. Um, if he can continue that, but all, but do it with uh, more passing volume, with having better receivers this season, uh, I, I think he's the biggest winner here. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I just want to point out, you know, for Jarvis Landry, people might knock on him, and I understandably, but uh, James Winston had, you know, made Adam Humphreys relevant fantasy-wise for a couple of years there, got a big contract out in Tennessee, disappeared after that. So this guy's not afraid, you know, people know him as kind of a guy who wants to ball down the field, but he does look for the receivers underneath, and he will feel, you know, feed, feed those volume guys in a sense. So James, especially PPR, uh, Jarvis Landry with, with James Winston kind of tandem could be something to kind of keep your eye on. And I agree, I agree. James Winston is definitely the big winner in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, agreed on both points. Um, we're going to continue, continue on with some housekeeping, um, a, a bit of smaller news um, that we can breeze through really quickly. What do you think of Philip Lindsay signing for the Indianapolis Colts today? Uh, the Colts like to keep it exciting, don't they? They never want to kind of get you that, that confidence that Jonathan Taylor will always be that bell cow. We got last season kind of got, you know, that bell cow season, the top number one scored out of the backfield. Um, people have him as top guy on their board a lot going into this season, but with Naheem Hines signing, with a Philip Lindsay, with Frank Reich's track record, it's kind of playing with fire in the backfield there. I mean, not to say Jonathan Taylor's a guy you still don't take in your top five, but I think it's going to start becoming debatable if he's that clear shot, you know, true number one, no matter what. Especially as we talked, you know, we looked before as a Colts fan, as you know, Adam, this this isn't the first time this coaching staff kind of got cute the backfield. And the more pieces they have to kind of play with, the more crazy it can get sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um Lindsay's an interesting one, and I, I think more than anything, I almost feel bad for him because he has been talented when he's been on the field. It's just been kind of difficult for him to post-Denver kind of stay in roles where he's, you know, seeing a significant amount of time on the field. Um, and I don't know that he is a significant upgrade over Marlon Mack, who was sitting inactive a lot last year. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting, but, um, you know, he's a notable enough player for us to at least mention it. Um is there anything else housekeeping-wise you want to hit before we get into these rookies? Oh, no. I was going to say real quick, though, the Marlon Mack point, it's a great point, but I also think Marlon Mack's come back from major surgery. A guy they were kind of hoping maybe to get some trade value, so they didn't want to expose him game day. Doesn't play special teams. Phil Lindsay does play special teams, so he's kind of a guy who could be active on game day. So that's just why, you know, I, I think you kind of nail on the head, and there's a guy that I, I'm kind of disappointed for where I think he had a chance to kind of show something, and, now he's going to probably be a journeyman, um, but it's, it's it remains to be seen how it kind of unfolds in this cold backfield. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, what I want to do, um, we're doing the AFC this week, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so super excited to get through a bunch of those. And where I wanted to start, unless you have um, any strong opinions otherwise, I want to start um, with the AFC North, which I think is one of the most competitive um, divisions in, in the AFC, uh, not the most, obviously. Um, but probably a, a firm second um, and the AFC's representative to the Super Bowl in the Cincinnati Bengals. They only drafted one player on the offensive side of the ball, a tackle in the fourth round. What do you make of, of their draft and kind of how it impacts um, the fantasy value of the guys on the team? Yeah, I mean, I think it keeps the value, fantasy value kind of intact where there's no really threat to steal anybody's kind of carries or or touches, as you kind of pointed out. They really didn't look to add any more playmakers to this offense. It seems that maybe somebody like a boy who's kind of a fringe player might still have a role. 
They didn't add a, a clear another extra tight end, so Hurst could still be a guy that might be a, a sleeper for some people to kind of look at this season. Um, so I think it basically keeps guys intact. I think they've made kind of their heavy lifting, so to speak, on the on the offseason with the free agents, free agent signings and offensive line. I necessarily love those moves, um, but I will say that they're upgrades over what they had, which was pitiful. Um, if you know, I give Rams and Sean McVay a ton of credit for what they're able to kind of manufacture offensive line wise out there with, with what they do. If Cincinnati can kind of maybe emulate that, maybe they have enough pieces in place. But I do think that's kind of where Cincinnati kind of focused with making sure the defense won't be their Achilles heel that it was in Super Bowl, or hopefully won't. Um, but it seemed more for me this year, it didn't really seem to be about winning Super Bowl this year and their moves to the draft. It seemed more about preparing for the losing guys and possible free agency next year. Um, the Jesse Bates, uh, they, they went high on the safety. Uh, they took the guy out of Michigan, a guy, you know, Hill, a guy who can kind of be a slot, cor- a slot corner, kind of fill different roles. I think he's more of a safety. Um, and I think he's very, you know, profiles a lot like Jesse Bates. So it's kind of interesting. They have Bell in last year with his deal. So they add another safety in the draft as well. So I think they spent a lot of draft capital on defense looking to try to prepare for guys maybe have to pay them down the road. Yeah, I agree. This wasn't a draft, especially from a fantasy perspective. But <clears throat> from a football perspective overall, I wasn't really super blown away at all by this draft. It was kind of a forgettable one um, for them, I feel like. Uh, what were your thoughts just kind of overall? Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I think Cincinnati is playing with fire. Um, this is a team that I kind of predicted is going to get a lot of you know, hype coming into the season as a new chief, so to speak, this new up-and-coming team. And I think they're going to be a rude awakening if they think they're going to get away with what they did last year. They got really hot at the right time. Their offense kind of clicked at the right time. But they were very dependent on big plays, and they were very dependent on kind of key turnovers. Um, I think this team is not going to struggle. I think this team is going to struggle with the upgrades the rest of the division we'll talk about soon. And I think they didn't make enough moves in the offseason nor in this, you know, showing enough urgency in this draft to really kind of go next echelon. I think that you always want to kind of add many playmakers as you can. Cincinnati is not a team that's, you know, just loaded talent on both sides of the ball. So to me, they were kind of preparing for something that they don't necessarily need to do right now. Yeah, I, I was um, personally thought it was a lackluster offseason for them, if I'm being honest. Um, definitely, I, I think they could be in for a bit of a step back. Now, a team that I think take took a massive leap forward um, on the on the other hand. Um, the Baltimore Ravens had a tremendous draft, a tremendous offseason. Um, Chris, what do you think there? So I know there's going to be a lot of fantasy reaction to the, more, the move from Marquise Brown. Um, the only thing that you kind of commented on draft day and then afterwards is kind of, you know, does this affect Lamar Jackson and his status? That's the only deterrent I can see. 
but this is not going to ruin Lamar Jackson. This this notion Lamar Jackson is going to all of a sudden, you know, be this or um. It's an option running quarterback all of a sudden that he's just going to run the ball all the time. He's not going to throw the ball next year. It was all aberration. They're going to go back to always, you know, running the ball all the time. Don't get it twisted. Just because they're going to show different formations, Greg Roman loves to throw out of big formations and jumbo sets. It gives Lamar easy reads. It makes it hard on the defense because you have to play your base defenses out there. And the quickness they have in those positions, the Mark Andrews with Lamar Jackson, with the running backs that they have, with the Duvervey, they can get mismatches with guys and that's all they're looking for. So I think that this notion is Lamar is all of a sudden going to be, you know, held back passing wise is, is is ludicrous. And what's really going to help Lamar even be even more better, or I should that's not even a sentence, but it's better, um, is that he's going to not have, have a pocket to actually step up into. I love the Lindenbaum signing. This guy is a stud at center. Um, I love Daniel Gole, a guy I was you know, huge on going to the draft. They got him in the fourth round. I think he's actually going to wind up being better than Orlando Brown. And yes, I said, I think he's going to be better. Um, this guy is so raw the game and he didn't give up any pass pressures um, or sacks. And he played against some of the top pass rushers. Like he played against Michigan. He played against the different Wisconsin's. He played against Purdue. So they always guys who went in the first and second round defensive ends. He matched up against the Penn state kids. He saw all of them and didn't give up any pressures. So if he's still that raw, I think there's a lot of upside there for this team that can, you know, kind of feature where he could do well. And with Lamar, I think you saw last year the most sacked quarterback you know in the NFL by far had no time to throw. People want to harp on his long passing game when he can't throw the ball down the field. You need time to throw that ball down the field. So now that he has that, he's got decent enough playmakers still all around. He's got guys who fit roles really well. A guy that I kind of think has the best of this draft um, after kind of everything was unfolded. They didn't really add any more receivers to the cupboard, so to speak. So Ty Wallace is a guy and Duve. Or one of those two guys probably had a giant job op- jump opportunity, and both those guys can be your explosive playmakers. So kind of keep my eye on either one to kind of see which one gets that second tier role in a sense. Um, people really hired Rashad, Rashad Bateman last year. This is a guy to kind of monitor. The only guy I'm going to knock a little bit for after all this fantasy wise is going to be Mark Andrews. I think he's got a little bit um, with all the different tight ends they added with the Kohler and, and Pickley, I think they have a lot of different guys who kind of are pass catching tight ends. They still have Nick Boyle there. It's kind of that, you know, role to, you know, block. I think Andrews is going to be a guy that clearly is Lamar's favorite, but I think he might actually get moved down to Fucci just slightly where I think you might see Rashad Bateman become kind of that more alpha than receiving passing attack. And I think running backs are who benefit the most. Don't forget JK Dobbins is coming back. Gus Edwards is coming back with that beefy offensive line with that kind of interior that they have. Oh, and by the way, Ravens defense fantasy wise also will be back. Um, yeah, fantastic draft in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, I agree on a lot of the things you said there. I want to uh, key in on a couple things. Um, I think the Mark Andrews move is really the most troubling. Uh, I, I think for 2022, he's probably pretty safe into where he stands. What worries me, I think, is his dynasty standing, right? Um, these do feel like moves and they're later in the draft, so it's not like you know, these are, you know, necessarily like make or break moves for him, but there's certainly moves where it feels like uh, Baltimore is setting themselves up to not necessarily be dependent on a Mark Andrews. And we want Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Um, if you are a dynasty um, shareholder of Mark Andrews. Um, and this is certainly a situation where it appears again, that they're setting themselves up to where, you know, they probably want him to stay there, but they don't want, they will probably have a number that they will not move off of for him 
Um, and that that's, you know, not necessarily ideal if you have him in Dynasty. Um, the other thing I kind of wanted to key in on, what do you think we can expect from these running backs coming off of years where they were injured? Especially Gus Edwards. I think he's kind of getting um, not old, old, but a little bit up there in years. Yeah, Gus is an interesting guy, but he doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear on that body mm-hmm. either, though. Um, you, know, you know, kind of was basically an older rookie two years ago, two or three years ago now. I think that his running style, with Teddy's surgery, he's not a guy dependent on his speed or his quickness. So this isn't a Saquon Barkley situation, in my opinion. This is a guy that gets north and south and gets down and runs hard down the field. I think that he's a guy that I'm not too worried about. I think that you'll monitor that, you know, definitely in preseason and listen to what's going on in camp. If he's, you know, kind of ginger or you're still carries kind of, you know, slowing down timetable-wise, then, of course, you know, draft accordingly. But J.K. Dobbins is the one I'm super excited about. He got hurt really early in the season. And he should be. We saw Kim Akers come back last year pretty, you know, during the playoff time. T.T. Dobbins had plenty of time to recover, be fresh. They could have brought him back and kind of rushed him back if they wanted to in Baltimore, but they decided to make sure he was going to be 100% healthy. And as a result, you have a guy who has very low wear and tear, has been chomping at the bit probably to get back in his backfield over the last two years, and, oh, by the way, can actually contribute in the passing game as well, which you kind of saw that kind of, you know, coming up more and more for him as the season progressed his rookie year. So this guy has the up, a lot of upside, in my opinion. I saw he was around two, round three running back. I think he's still going to be that kind of guy you want to look at. Yeah, he, he's certainly one that's going to be really, really interesting in, in drafts, both uh, redraft and dynasty um, moving forward. What do you think? Well, let's just dive headfirst. What do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Pickett in the first round? So on our, you know, draft special, Belly Up's draft special, MD's fantasy football show was part of that. Uh, and as were you, Adam, um, I didn't hide it then, and I won't hide it here. It was a stupid, stupid, stupid move. One of the things the Steelers seem to just not do well, they're a fantastic franchise. I admire them in so many ways. They've been good for decades. Most teams, you know, have to rebuild or, or crap for years or blame it on this or the market or whatever. Pittsburgh just, you know, keeps drafting well, keeps kind of keeps their expenses low and keeps trying to be a competitive team. Always usually has a good coach. But, man, they suck identifying quarterback positions. They really did a great job at Ben Roethlisberger. But you look at the track record outside of that, I used to be a Bears fan. Pittsburgh's not far behind when it comes to the futility since Harry Bradshaw, the quarterback position to Ben Roethlisberger. There's a lot of names in between, not a whole lot of stars. They've, we've seen Cordell Stewart. We've seen, you know, Neil O'Donnell. We've seen uh, a plethora of different guys they drafted over years trying to replace Ben Roethlisberger. Rudolph being the most recent guy. I don't see how Pickett's much better than Mason Rudolph, to be honest. Um, and I don't really think that you're looking at a guy who's about a 25-year-old um, rookie who had his best season as a 24-year-old senior, uh, fifth-year senior, by the way. So plenty of time to kind of digest and process and be ahead of the curve, in a sense, against some of these other defenses he was facing. And you look at his numbers, the dramatic jump. You know, people talk about Joe Burrow's jump, and maybe he could be like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a different situation. LSU was a different kind of team. Uh, he came from an Ohio State team that he got beat out by a guy who was more talented physically than he was, Justin Fields. Like, let's be real. This is not the same kind of comparison. Pittsburgh Pitt isn't recruiting top-tier quarterbacks. Um, the ACC and the Big East, uh, the teams that you know, Pitt, Pitt still played some of the old Big East teams, are pathetic. So you really didn't play anybody good. Clemson wasn't that good this year. So when you look at the defenses they faced, the jumps in numbers, and the talent, and oh, by the way, their receiver is a stud. Um, yeah, 
I don't think this guy is going to do anything in the pros. I think Mitch Trubisky was already on the team. I think Racing Rudolph's already on the team. Uh, they had Delvin Hodges a couple of years ago. I think he's the guy going to try to fall somewhere in between those two. And what it really does is kill the long passing attack, which bye-bye Chase Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool, I think, is definitely the biggest loser um, of their offseason, especially their next offensive pick, George Pickens, who, I, to me, and tell me if I'm crazy, but to me, I identify him as a, a replacement. Uh, for it's absolutely. Absolutely. We, we know Pittsburgh has a kind of a tendency to do this. They're not really willing to always pay that second contract. I'm not so disappointed that they kind of did that. What I'm more disappointed is that that's the guy you picked to replace Chase Claypool. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk what Pickens can be, but correct me if I'm wrong, he did play in a couple of games last year, and he did not impress at all. So it's not like all of a sudden because he's got this offseason, he's going to be completely healthy. What was unhealthy about him last year? Somebody explained it to me. He's going to get explosives in the back. He was good a few years ago. There's lots of receivers, lots of players who were good their freshman or sophomore years who never become good again. You're not necessarily going to you know, find that. And there's a lot of guys on the board, I thought, especially value-wise, Pittsburgh didn't reach that high. It's been that draft capital number one, that high on a replacement receiver for Chase Claypool, who they barely figured out how to use last year anyway. Um, and then on top of it, I don't think this was the guy to replace him either. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little higher on, on Pickens, but it's still, for Pittsburgh specifically, just doesn't make any sense. Um, that's just not how... If you are riding with Pickett, even if you're riding with a Trubisky or um, or one of the other guys, it doesn't. That's not how they're gonna win. Um, and beyond all of that, none of them are gonna win with the offensive line that they currently um, are playing behind. Najee Harris isn't gonna play well behind that offensive line. Kenny Pickett's not playing well behind that offensive line. He's going to fumble a lot behind that offensive line because he will be getting hit in the AFC North by some big guys in the cold a lot in that offensive line in open stadiums. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to predict right now people are going to suddenly realize that Pickett has no arm strength once he plays in Pittsburgh and he's in front of these people, and also that those small hands do matter. Yeah. I, 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 they can be overblown in some capacities, but this is probably the division in which it matters the most, that your hand size. Um, it would be one you're thing you're going to be because of the weather all the time. Drew Brees had small hands. Look at his fumbles in Purdue, a number of them. Look at the number of fumbles that Pickett had while he was in Pitt. You'll see the issue. Yeah. So definitely some concerns overall um, there. Is there anything else with, with Pittsburgh that really catches your eye um, before we move on to I our think, last team? I think the one of the things that did catch my eye is you know, they tried to upgrade the defensive line. Um, we saw when Casey Hayward was out last year that they really struggled. Their defense basically fell apart and collapsed. I do think that if they can find somebody, you know, not necessarily be Casey Hayward, but kind of hold the fort down and help out, this Pittsburgh defense could be relevant fantasy-wise while it was atrocious last year. The year before, it was one of the top defenses you could own. So I know people are always huge on fantasy, you know, defenses, but they win games too for you. So just kind of point that out. Absolutely. Um, uh, real quick, what what's the future, do you think, of Calvin Austin in the Pittsburgh environment? And I say that because this is, is a team that, regardless of what we think about Pickens, um, this is a team that has had a lot of success drafting wide receivers in the middle rounds. 
Calvin Austin to me, and I'll, I'll jump in first. I thought he was Wandale Robinson, but better. Um, I, I think that they fit the same archetype, except for Calvin Austin wasn't completely overdrafted, and Calvin Austin actually had some receiver esque skills. Um, not that he was a polished receiver by any means. I still think he immediately projects more as a gadget player. Um, however, he showed some competitive catches and showed some occasional route running um, that I didn't really see from a Wandell Robinson. Um, so I, I've made my position clear. What do you think of him and his potential? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. So you talked about the Pickens kind of being an odd fit with their quarterbacks. But I think when you look at Pittsburgh, they have a you know a, a type in a sense, and Austin fits the type of receiver. And what I I think of immediately is Antonio Brown coming out and Deontay Johnson coming out and the rhetoric around them kind of those guys who are you know still need to work on their route running, explosive players. We give them space. If you can get the slots, they can kind of use their quickness and speed. Austin, I agree with you. I think he's better than Robinson. I think he brings a lot of those similar traits. And I think this is also another team in a way that they're kind of preparing for in case they don't pay Deontay Johnson. That's not just Shane Claypool's kind of the nice on this team. Deontay Johnson's due for his big contract as well coming up. So is he going to get paid? I think that Calvin Austin kind of steps up and shows you something that might be, you might see maybe a team kind of balk on that, maybe franchise him for a year and look to kind of move on after that because this is, kind of, I think, their guy that's looking for it. Maybe you could be that insurance policy just in case we don't want to pay this guy or that maybe you do hit and become a next, you know, that guy that's kind of we find we find year in year out. I like it. Um, and now let's move on to our last team in the AFC North, which is the Cleveland Browns. Um, and this is pretty much uh, th- there's some other things we could certainly hit on in regards to what you know the I don't, the domino effect of some of these other picks. But there's really only one where the player themselves is is an interesting case, and that's David Bell. Um, in all of the dynasty drafts that I've had so far, which is a handful now, um, probably at least five, six, seven, um, that I've been in, uh, for rookies, at least to this point, David Bell falls in somewhere in the middle of the second round, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later, but on average, probably around the 206 spot in a, a 12 man PPR, half PPR, uh, somewhere in there, um, with that in mind, what do you think his immediate role could be uh, for the Cleveland Browns? And I guess, what do you expect? Uh, we've talked about this off air before. What do you expect from the Cleveland Browns offense? Is it going to be the Deshaun Watson show, or is this still going to be the Stefanski offense, which is going to feature Chubb and Kareem Hunt quite a bit as well? So my David Bell question is going to be a two-parter, and I think that I'm going to kind of step on your your turf as the dynasty expert here. But Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things: customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? 
Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. As dynasty-wise, get your hands on this guy immediately. It could be Stefanski's offense now. Deshaun Watson's contract makes sure that it's going to be his eventually, no matter what. So that, I would get my hands on David Bell. Having said that, you don't know how it's going to play out this year. You don't know Sean Watson's kind of situation. We saw Jacoby Brissett struggle mightily at the quarterback position last year, to say kindly. Um, so I do think that when it comes to Bell and standard or redraft leagues, that you're not really looking necessarily to have him as a guy that you're ranking super high. But dynasty-wise, I think he's an outstanding value. Look, as long as Sean Watson winds up being cleared of something in some kind of capacity, like quarterback for Cleveland at some point in the next two to three years, Bell winds up as the guy who's going to be his best friend, a guy who always is going to be open when you need him, a guy who's going to kind of be able to show his body. I don't care what kind of 40 he ran. He's going to be a guy that you can rely on. And I talk about the 40, and I talk about the route running and the guy you can rely on because with Matthew Stafford had a best friend in Rams. And Cooper Cup had the same kind of 40 time and had some kind of the same kind of talk about him, the guy who, you know, can let the slide, can play on the last side, nothing really explosive athlete. You know, you can do a little better thing, plays really good, just gets open a lot. Well, how'd that work out? So I think when you look at David Bell, a guy that definitely fits this offense to a T as well, even if Stefanski does his long-term answer. And you, you saw Stefan Diggs. You saw Adam Thielen have success. You saw Justin Jefferson have success. These guys, the bigger body guys, can use their bodies and kind of get – if you can run route, good route, clean routes, you're going to have easy releases. The other thing I like about him is he's going to do some of the dirty routes. Um, the only part I don't like for him fantasy-wise – and that will kind of, I'm going to ask you what you kind of think. I had Amari Cooper as a clear cut number one receiver in my book, no, no doubt about it. Um, I had some trepidation of the, you know, the talk about Will Fuller coming and things like that, but I kind of felt like they're the same thing they already have with Schwartz and Peoples Jones. Guys just are going to kind of clear out guys. You're just, you're just there for, you know, the Shanahan clear out guy that's open up other stuff. And now you have a legit guy who's going to do all dirty little things. He's going to be a coach's dream out there. And I think that he's going to get in the field sooner or later. We saw Rashad Higgins kind of earn that coaching staff, you know, that from being a hard worker. David Bell's going to come out there, and I think way more talented than Rashad Higgins. So I think this is a guy that keep your eye on. And I kind of worry about some other guys maybe moving forward. Mark Cooper, where I, I thought he was definitely a tier number one receiver. Now maybe he's in tier one, tier two, because maybe you do look to get David Bell involved more. Yeah, uh, it's going to be difficult. I, I still feel like I'm a little bit bullish on Amari Cooper, especially at value. Um, but that being said, I mean, it, it isn't a clear cut. Um, he's going to be the dominant guy because David Bell is a really talented, really refined player. Um, absolutely. They could play in the slot. I think that's what frustrating for me is I thought Mari Cooper was going to be the chess piece that they could kind of feature, move around. Like set similar to Stefan Diggs was in that Vikings offense and kind of get mismatches accordingly, particularly in the slot. I think Mari Cooper has been underutilized in the slot for a couple of years now. And I was kind of disappointed to see this guy's going to probably line up in the slot more often than not, which is, you know, kind of push our Mari outside more often. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And it really does, usage is going to matter quite a bit um, because I think both of them really can play both in and out. I think both of them can be moved around a lot, but is it going to be that they have their firm little, little places and that's that, or, you know, could we move both of them around? Uh, so, uh, you know, whether we're playing them both for matchups or whether it's, hey, Amari Cooper, maybe Amari Cooper, who, who is an athlete, 
um, you know, takes up a little bit of that clear out guy, that would obviously be not good. I'm sure that that's not going to be the only thing that he does, but it's certainly a role that he could end up, hey, like you're going to run a, a streak handful of times a game and your role a handful of times a game is going to be the clear out guy. Um, obviously, you know, you have those, all of those other guys that you've mentioned, Schwartz, DPJ, et cetera, um, to do that more often than not. But certainly I think there's a chance that you see that from Cooper here and there, especially if he he does get pushed outside uh, a lot. Which is good because, you know, Adam Thielen wasn't considered an explosive receiver for a couple of years, but was able to be a guy that, you know, sprung into the scene in this offense because he's a guy who can have inside, outside, you kind of talked about. Has ran a similar 40 once again to Mark Cooper did a similar build. So there's a lot of things that have, you know, kind of guys that you're talking about where they can kind of move around chess pieces. So it's up to Stefanski to kind of is he going to be the guy we've seen in Cleveland the last couple of years, or is he going to be couldn't get you know OBJ the ball? Um, or is he going to be the guy who was in Minnesota and was actually to use that kind of tree in that is traditionally offense, whether it was you know the Texans, Denver back in the day, the Shanahan Kubiak system usually can get two receivers the ball and feature them. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to move on to our next division here, which will be um, the East. I think we can bookend with our, our best divisions. Um, so we're going to move over to the East. And we're going to move on to a draft in which they got a lot of guys at fantasy positions, um, but not necessarily fantasy relevant players. And that would be the New England Patriots, um, who they went plenty of offense. So we have we have a lot to talk about here. But they went uh, guard in the first, and we'll get into that guard specifically. Um, but they went guard in the first, wide receiver in the second, uh, running back in the fourth, quarterback in the fourth, running back in the sixth, guard in the sixth, guard in the seventh. So, again, plenty of offense. Um, but we can get into the specifics of the, who some of these guys are. Um, so, it, it, it's, so if we, I guess we need to break this down, at least for the first couple, one by one. Um, what do you think Cole Strange brings to this offense? Um, and yeah, what, what does he bring to this offense? Does he increase the value of some of the guys like, uh, uh Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, et cetera? Okay. So I know the Patriots took a lot of heat for their draft and I'm not going to turn down the heat too much. I will turn the heat down just a little bit. And Adam, I want your feedback on this before I pursue. Cole Strange is somebody kind of interesting that it was definitely a guy that, you know, with a Sean McVay reaction, a guy that people, that people thought me a third, fourth round. But I'm just going to name the guard that were before him. And when he was on the board, the Patriots, they had Kane Green was off the board, Zion Johnson was off the board. They took Cole Strange. Who's next best guard on the board? There's a lot of guys people talk about converting from tackles to guards, but who is the clear best guard on the board after that? Is it Lukaki? Is it Ed Ingram? Is it Dylan Parham? Is it Sean Ryan? Because these are the guys who all went after that at the guard position immediately after it. So when you look at the guys left on the board, what the Patriots did, they reached to a degree, yes, but to fill a need that they created, safe cap room down the road, but everything I heard going into this draft was Cole Strange is custom-built to New England Patriots. He is a Patriot guy. And you saw Ted Karras. We've seen different guards uh, that have been successful for the Patriots. This is a guy that absolutely can help them, and they can help the running game and help Matt Jones have a better pocket. They had a lot of pressure up the middle last year. Um, that's part of why I think there wasn't a bad move on from Cannon. Cannon kind of 
a guy who's not the greatest pass protection, um, not the most agile, nimble guy either. You couldn't really use him to kind of, you know, do some of the crackback actions or, or the pulls that, you know, Belichick and some of the Jonathan Daniels who moved on used to like to do. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad pick. Now, after that, that's my last defense of the Patriots after that. The Thornton thing helps no one fantasy-wise. So, right, so this is in reference to uh, Tyquan Thornton, who was their second-round pick, uh, wide receiver out of Baylor, um, largely picked due to his 40-time, I think we can all presume. Um, and because he's an ace special team, so obviously the Patriots really value that. All right, continue, Chris. No, I think that's I think that captures everything this guy can do. You draft a special teams player in the second round. So um, I think that, Adam, that puts icing and cake. I mean, maybe you can speak more to Dynasty. I know people talk about draft capital a lot in Dynasty. Um, I know in Standard League, I will not be touching Thornton. I don't care how much draft capital was spent on this guy. I said the same thing about some of the guys drafted last year. I know Cortavis Tony had a you know two-game spurt. But for the most part, if you took him in the Standard Redraft League last year or PPR Redraft League last year, he wasted a position. Um, Dynasty-wise, maybe a different story. So that's where you can kind of chime in. Nope. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm the more Dynasty-minded guy over here at the, at the uh, Belly Up Fantasy Live camp, um, at least of, of us two. And for me, I, I will ride the draft capital things to an extent. This is not um, one of those situations in which I care really at all about what his draft capital was. Um, the reality of the situation is that I have seen nothing for the last, I mean, I don't remember how long it's been since we've seen Bill Belichick successfully draft a wide receiver, um, whether early, late, first round, second round, eighth, seventh round, who cares? It's not the best strength of his, um, or the Patriots kind of in general, they haven't really done a great job of bringing in receivers that play the position of receiver in general in a long time um i mean we have our former quarterback in julian edelman that we got in the seventh round for that great pick no question there um but wasn't even playing receiver um and then we have you know the randy moss move um the west welker move um some others but realistically speaking wide receiver has been a week this year um, so regardless of what I think about Tyquan Thornton, which is I didn't think he was the best skill position player player on Baylor last season. Um, but regardless of that, I don't have any faith in this franchise's ability to develop a receiver um, or to develop a receiver with this kind of speed, mind you. Because um, this is a raw player who is only speed, who has one of the laziest releases I have ever watched on tape. Um, he is a long strider at that. He's not even like a, a super quick guy. He is a long strider, uh, fast guy, um, fast in one direction. Um, they may have their special teams ace. But I don't think that they have a, that there's a long-term pathway for him to be a great receiver. No. And I think you're nailing right ahead. They, this is the tracker they've shown that they absolutely air ball every time they draft a pick on, um, you know, any receiving position basically the guys you need Wes Walker Randy Moss they didn't draft those guys they traded for them so these are guys you know since Belichick's been there Chuck Nails has moved on so maybe it'll be maybe it could be different but it seems to be the same old same old to me and I think that the other thing that's kind of concerning is we've seen plenty of receivers even veteran receivers struggle to learn quote unquote this offense and do what they're supposed to do because he's 
as you pointed out, this guy shows you absolutely nothing to make you think he's going to get to, you know, do the Patriot way. Um, I, I just, I just want to see this being a, a winner move. Yeah, I, I mentioned the lazy release, and that wasn't really the only thing for me. Um, there were a lot of situations where it, it just felt like he was giving up on routes, and and you know, it, it felt lazy in a lot of ways. And I say that to say. I can forgive that personally. I can by saying your quarterback was garbage. Your offensive line protecting that quarterback was garbage. I would probably give up in the same situation, but that will never mesh with who Bill Belichick is. He won't put up with that for a second. <laughs> the first time that he gives up on a route that he slows up on his streak and ends up, you know, causing a problem, that's going to cause a problem for him. Um, which is another, you know, little piece that concerns me about him. Again, and just to I'm, add real quick, I, you know, I love Denzel Mim and I've been, I've been harping on free this man, but part of the reason supposedly why he's not on the field is he's having a hard time learning where he needs to be in the playbook. Went to Baylor, went to kind of knocked on you know, him coming out of school. Would he be able to kind of adjust that easily? And he's so much more crisp in his route running and his releases. So to your point, coming from an offense is basically Neanderthal offense and, you've really shown nothing physically that makes you think this guy's going to get it. Uh, Matthew Slater part two, maybe best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let, let's jump. Uh, I, I think we've made oh, our position on him. Real clear. quick. Okay. Sorry, guy. I was going to say, um, well, what, and we'll, we'll pair these together because I, they deserve to be. Um, what do we make of their fourth and sixth round draft picks at the running back position after what I think we would have thought was solidifying the position. Um, having drafted Stevenson last year, they still have Harris on contract. They have James White on contract. Um, so they have three guys already. They just drafted two more. What, what do you make of the situation? Uh, typical Patriots, I think. Stevenson's yes, this guy drafted to kind of replace Harris, but Harris also is on the last year of his deal. Probably won't get re-signed or will get kind of offered a very low deal. Um, typical Patriots usually do. They had somebody line it up like they do. You know, Harris was lined up for Michelle. Stevenson was lined up for Harris. This is just kind of the continuation. White's the last year of his deal. A guy who might not even play as it is. You know, really struggled coming back from last year from his injury. Just talk about him maybe missing part of this season again. Um, will he ever be the same player? So they got another guy that can kind of be that pass catcher out of the backfield. So I think what you see the Patriots doing is doing Patriot things. Every year, while they just not, you know, struggle – getting playmakers in receiving position, they just love to add running backs to have four or five different guys to choose from um, to kind of match up by game plan accordingly. Usually they have that hammer guy or one or two of those guys. They have the guy who can play special teams, and they have that third down back. So they basically are trying to find of these mix of backs who's going to be the next batch to kind of be those dudes. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I just, I, we had to throw it out there, but it's this is um... – just kind of how Bill Belichick has treated the running back position um, during his, his tenure, especially as of late. Um, so we kind of skipped a guy in there um, for good reason. Uh, Bailey Zappi, quarterback, fourth round. What's your take here? I mean, I get that he does feel like a very New England backup. Sure. Is he worth a fourth round pick to you? And do you think he holds any value in any capacity in anything other than just being a, a safeguard, I guess? 
Okay, so I'm trying to be not biased in my, my answer here. I'm extremely frustrated that Carson Strong did not get drafted, and I cannot understand how Zappi went in the fourth round, but this guy didn't get drafted. Having said that, I think it was definitely poor draft capital spent by the Patriots, and his future in New England is questionable at best. The guy could be a Gardner Minshew, and the reason I say that is that he's not your typical noodle arm quarterback coming from an air raid offense. He does have a little bit more gumption to throw the ball down the field, a little more aggressive. Um, his accuracy is probably not the top tip as, as a result of that, but he is more apt to kind of let it go. And I think we saw Minshew kind of be a guy who could be serviceable when a guy can kind of make the reads, spread the ball around, and get rid of it quickly. You might have a role. So I'm not going to completely shit on him. Um, but I will say that as a fourth round pick. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. The Patriots definitely, I will name 500 guys on the board who are more important to that team to help them win than Zappi ever will be. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's about all we needed there. Um, yeah, cool. I think that kind of covers up us for the Patriots. Let's move up to something a little bit more cheery. And Adam, real quick. Yeah. Can I just jump on. I just want to say I know defense again, but Patriots defense used to be really, you know, outstanding a couple of years ago. And they, the loss of JC Jack, people were kind of concerned what will they be? They got themselves a stud in the Marcus Jones, and the guy can return kicks. So don't forget in defense when you get the kick return touchdowns and the punt return touchdowns, they got a stud in the third round, a guy who I think can be a playmaker in a return game and also on defense. Awesome. Yes, we love to hear that. All right, so the this is definitely at least a defense special teams for us to be watching out for. Um, moving on to the Buffalo Bills. They have made some moves that are, I think, very interesting. So it, it, ignore everything I just said. Before you knew the landing spot, not prospect, not their team, uh, what were your thoughts on James Cook? I'm not as high on James Cook as most people are. Um, maybe I'm missing something. I think it's ludicrous comparing him to his brother. People keep trying to tell me he's a smaller version of his brother. I, I do not see that. I love Dalvin Cook since I saw him the first time in a freshman at Florida State. It just this guy jumped out to me. I think this this kid's got talent. Um, probably a little bit more explosive and a little bigger than Devin Singletary. He reminds me so much of Devin Singletary's game in so many ways where it's I don't really know if you replace the guy that you already have in a sense. I don't think he can take a beating. I don't think he's my workhorse down, workhorse guy. I know people are excited about his pass catching opportunities. Will Josh Allen check the ball down for running back consistently? Um, maybe. I know that Devin Singletary was a, a RB1 by the end of the season for a, a good stretch towards the end of the season when he became the guy. But now you have another guy to kind of mix in there. Will they get cute? 
Will they get more physical? I think this team was looking to run the ball a bit more this year. But having said that, I don't know what Cook necessarily is going to be. Um, is he definitely going to be the guy, or is he going to be one of three guys? Yeah, I, I, so I agree, at least, first of all. I agree on his um, pre-landing spot uh, an analysis, I guess. I was not high on James Cook at all. Um, coming into the draft. But this landing spot does at least pique my interest a little bit. It it makes me think about this a lot more than I was. Um, And I I, I say that because while I don't, I don't know that I would just immediately give him the job. This is still a running back that was drafted with a second round pick when, you know, your running backs currently on the roster were what, fourth and fifth round guys? I mean, this is the type of capital which you would think the Bills, a team that have been really smart with this kind of thing, uh, surprisingly, um, but they've been pretty smart with how they've dealt their draft capital. I mean, for me, I I don't know. It, it, it feels like that they are going to find ways to use him if they're going to make that type of investment. Again, I'm not super interested in the talent, but running backs on good offenses have inherent value, and this is one of those situations where <laughs> I don't know. It, it, there could be something here, and it's just kind of what's the price that makes you want to take the risk, the leap of faith, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think Dynasty, if you have, like, you're getting those mid-tier rounds, you're know, kind of looking for that home run running back guy to add. Yeah, I think it's the guy. But I also look at what, you know, Buffalo had a priority, I think, this offseason. That was try to find a pass-catching running back out of the backfield. They tried to get J.D. McKissick from Washington. Uh, he got offered more money. Um, they signed for Duke Johnson. They brought some other different guys in there. I think Ken Dorsey's looking to try to make this team more run-oriented in some ways. They brought O.J. Howard in, another with Dallas Knox. Two better blocking tight ends, by the way, that there are in the NFL to have. Um, so those things kind of add up for the running game itself. But the problem I have is coaches, and Dan and I talk about this all the time on the show, coaches have an idea what they need, and then what the happens on game day. We always hear, I need that extra, that second, that pass-catching guy, that explosive catch game, well, different guys, those kind of guys that, you know, the icing on the cake, so to speak, or that third receiver. And then come game day, those guys don't see the field. Naheem Hines got paid $8 million last year, a guy that probably Frank Wright couldn't live without. I just piece that money, he's all over the place. With all that crappy receiver talent you had on your team, still couldn't find a consistent role all week, the week, week in, week out. So I think that teams think about these things kind of these guys we want to have the best playmakers around our quarterback to be successful, and that's okay to spend draft capital because we get a Gail Jeffrey car for doing so. But as you see last year with Tony drafting for the Giants, offensive linemen might have been a better position. Maybe defensive thing, maybe some other positions would have been better to address other than having their playmaker for Daniel Jones because that did what. So I don't know if this is really going to be a game-changing situation, but I'm with you that of all the situations you land in, definitely a place that you're kind of keeping your eye because the offense is going to score points, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's move down to another one, one that I, I think we're a little bit higher on than, than the average, whereas I think um, as, again, pre-draft, I think we were a little bit lower on James Cook than average. I think we were both higher than average on Khalil Shakir. Um, So you were into him before I was. So share with me uh, kind of what your thoughts are with him. 
Yeah, I think the biggest knock you could have on Khalil Shakir is that maybe he was a little uh, undisciplined in his route running at times. Mm-hmm. But a guy who's definitely explosive, a guy who could definitely make tough catches, a guy who can you know bring it in the return game as well, I think is a prime-time slot receiver in the NFL. Can you use him out in the outside because he's not afraid to kind of get dirty out there? He can get off the line and get all press coverage. But definitely a guy that if you have in the slot can make guys miss. Once he gets kind of refined a little bit when his option route running, he's going to be a pain in the ass to deal with. And we saw Robinson, we saw Thornton, we saw all other guys kind of go ahead of him in the second rounds. You're going to remember that this Klishik here did not go with these other guys, and I will bet you money he winds up having a successful, more successful career. So I think he's way more talented. And this guy's been doing it good and producing for the last three years. Lost his quarterback. Zach Wilson you know, was the NFL. They didn't stop him. So I think when you look at a guy that, you know, basically, I, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up with Boise State. Not Boise State. Boise State lost their quarterback, I meant last year, not, not Zach Wilson. Lost yeah. Boise State lost their quarterback last year, but still had, you know, still was dominant this year. So I just kind of point that out because a lot of guys get kind of, oh, they lost their quarterback. Oh, they didn't have the same thing. Uh, you know, Pickens got kind of get out of Jeffrey. Georgia doesn't throw the ball a lot. Um, this guy just showed up and produced. So I don't know why he won't. And when we look at the talent, I think, you know, maybe to speak about this, but look, Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, Kalisha Shakir, they match up really well as a fit as well, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I think that landing spot for him, again, so, so good. Um, especially when we've seen that this team have the patience to develop wide receiver and develop skill position talent in general. Um, they've had the, the patience to do so. He's such a great fit here, and he's someone that I'm eating up in the third, fourth round of, of Dynasty drafts wherever I can. Um, absolutely love him there. Um, let's move on. Um, let's go ahead and... To the Jets, I, I think they're one where you and I are very much so on the same page and that we absolutely love the players that they add kind of in a vacuum. But it's like, one, we hate how this team is being coached. And two, Gabrice Hall, for instance, it sucks to see what happened with or what is likely transpiring, I suppose, with um, Michael Carter and, you know, just generally, um, you know, what these draft picks mean for some of the players currently on the roster that we do like that being said, we have a first round top 10 wide receiver here, Garrett Wilson going 10th overall. Um, We also have Brees Hall by many, by nearly unanimously um, the uh, rookie RB one. He went in the top of the second pick 36 overall. We have Jeremy Ruckert, tight end from Ohio State. He went in the third round. Um, we went with a tackle in the fourth as well, but let's really key in on the skill position, guys. Um, what do you make of this haul and what it could mean for the, for the players on the roster, like we mentioned with Michael Carter? Um, at, you are a big Denzel Mims guy, um, and, and you know I'm a big Elijah Moore guy. We are big Elijah Moore guys on this show. Um, what does this mean for all of those guys? Um, to have them on. And we were big. This is a show that I think was higher than average on Zach Wilson as well. I think I can say that. Yeah. Um, can they get a new LaFleur? Can they get a different coach? Because, uh, Adam, you, you hit the nail right in the head. I absolutely love the players that this team drafted. These are some of the guys that are like my favorites of the draft. 
I, I got a little fuck with Garrett Wilson because I compared him to OBJ because that's what I saw with my eyes when, when I see the, how the guy has the ball the after the catch and his ability to get out of breaks. Explosive. He, he's phenomenal. But he reminds me a lot physically of Elijah Moore of how he's kind of built. Guys who probably would benefit. We talk about teams, you know, losing guys in the inside and the outside and kind of have that versatility. They would probably benefit from that kind of usage. Problem being, unlike Amari Cooper or David Bell and you know in Cleveland, where guys are kind of bigger, stronger guys who can kind of do the quick black boxes and kind of do some of the things that offense asks you to do. These guys can't. Oh, by the way, Brett Paxton Barry is back to play the slot receiver as well. So if the Jets play the receivers are supposed to in the system that they should, this could be a fantastic fantasy boom. Everybody wants to put their hands on. If they play the offense they played last year, it seems to be off the Kyle Shanahan tree where we can only feature one receiver at a time. We saw Brandon Ayuk fall off the face of the map. People could talk about all oh, you know, the preseason, what happened in this and that. Look, that offense only could feature one receiver at a time. Look, the year before, when did Ayuk step up? When Debo got hurt. When did Debo do good? When Ayuk was hurt. That's how it works. Kittle does crap in between. So that's a lot of people to feed for a second-year quarterback who kind of struggled last year. I love Zach Wilson still. You didn't really upgrade the offensive line, in my opinion, that much. Jerry Ruckert in the third round, I think his tight end's way better and guys that you could have spent their draft capital on. And it brings me to my final guy, Michael Carter. I love Michael Carter. I hope, pray, that this will be like similar to a Denver situation. The famous people don't want to hear that. But Michael Carter should disappear from the face of the earth. If this guy can still get 10 to 12 touches or even 15, you can have an easy James Conner Chase Evans situation in that backfield in Jets, I think. A guy you can play in the flex or that third running back as an option, Michael Carter, and that guy can be a borderline, you know, definitely RB2, maybe borderline RB1 some weeks, um, receiving 15 to 17 carries. That's what it should be. We saw last year, though, this team loved to throw some extra curveballs in there. Tevin Coleman played. Ty Johnson played. P. Ryan played. Why? They brought Tevin Coleman back again this year. Why? Uh, they're going <laughs> to... Uh, you look at his offense and Kyle Shanahan, he loved to follow running running backs and always rotate different guys in. I'm sure a guy can cut from San Francisco probably this offseason. He'll probably get picked up by the Jets. So start looking at those, those things. I get a little bit worried about some of the backfield. I think Brees Hall is not going to be that clear guy. People are going to think I'm overdrafting a little bit in you know standard leagues. Fantasy-wise, fantasy I still think he has to be top guy because he just could be bringing some of the skills that he can bring to the table. Michael Carter, though, Please, please, please don't become Philip Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. A guy that we let off the show talking about how it's kind of sad that he hasn't been able to maintain opportunity, um, who has shown talent, has been successful at the NFL level. Michael Carter, um, hopefully not going down the same path. Um, yeah, I, I like what you said about a lot of these guys, though. Jeremy Ruckert was not very interesting to me. Um, not an interesting fantasy tight end to me. Um, Brees Hall is one I, I think for dynasty i mean it'd be he seems to be a nearly unanimous first overall pick um now for me personally would i be more comfortable taking drake london probably um but i more than anything i think i'd end up just trading back a spot or two um if i if i can um but that's just me um well, so, 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 you, you, is it drake london you take over uh, 
Wilson or are you talking about over Brees Hall? Brees Hall. Um, so typically how the drafts have worked, um, at least the ones that I've been in, again, have been that um, Brees Hall almost always goes first overall of the rookies. Um, then next is either uh, Kenneth Walker or Drake London. And then after that is when you get um, Wilson and Williams are probably in a tier there. Um, and then you get the Olave. Um, and then is, I think, where you get into the weird territory with uh, there's a bunch of guys that it gets kind of wide. Um, but that seems to be the general order. Um, there, there have been some weird ones, some reaches on um, Kenny Pickett. I've seen fly off at like 106. Um, I've seen James Cook come a little early. But generally speaking, that's kind of how things are falling, at least in the drafts that I've been in, have been um, Hall, almost always one. I don't actually think that I've seen him not go one yet. Um, and then it's either been Walker or London second, and then the other one third. Um, Wilson's probably that next up, though, in most cases. Occasionally Jamison Williams, though, which uh, we got, got to last week. He's an interesting one, though. Um, but, yeah, for me, I prefer the talent of a London, but for a dynamic running back uh, and for how cheap 22 picks were this season, um, it's hard to not get interested in a Brees Hall. Um, it, it, I don't know. He, he's definitely – this is definitely the cheapest. You will well, – I shouldn't say that this is on the cheaper end of what you're going to get for that kind of running back talent. Now I, I, I hold myself from saying the cheapest is because I, I agree with you. I, I think that there is a very real possibility with how we've seen um, the Shanahan esque coaching staffs handle the running back position. I think that there's a very real chance that we see him get 15 carries a game, 13 carries a game here early on um, where you may be able to get a discount for him in dynasty mid-season, late season, um, and then hopefully whether a new coaching staff or the realization that there's other ways to do things, you know, it's the current one. Um, regardless, uh, I, I do think it's he's going to have a very, very successful career in the NFL. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's a great point. I was just curious. We did a draft on um, MD's Fantasy Football Show last week. We did our, our Dynasty kind of rookie draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the topics that came up that we, you know, people were saying was clear cut number one. Brees Hall and I kind of challenged an idea that I think there are some debates whether that's even the case necessarily because I think points be brought up. But also the values of the receivers that you see, that your guys, you know, running back isn't quite what it used to be. People kind of need to start paying attention to that more and more fantasy wise. 
Well, and it, it, it's interesting to me, and we'll get back to the rookies. I don't want to head off on this tangent too, too long. Um, but what if you're picking first overall, unless you traded to get there, um, in a dynasty league, typically I think the way you rebuild, at least my philosophy on rebuilding, is to build through the wide receiver position because it's the most predictable. Uh, in 99% of the cases, it's the most predictable position in fantasy, and it's the one with – arguably the longest shelf life, not uh, other than quarterback, obviously, but that's an expensive position. Um, the 101 is going to cost you a fortune if there's a good quarterback around, but when it's only the receivers and running backs, it's pretty cheap to get up there. Um, so to get someone like one of these super, super cheap or super, super young receivers with that early pick, if you were a team that got the 101 naturally, as in you were a very bad team and ended up with the first pick because of it, then maybe the receiver value kind of works out better while you're rebuilding. And then you, you know, you gather up as many good receivers as you can, and then you can sell a couple of them to go get your premier running back when you're ready for that. Um, whereas, you know, with a Brees Hall, I think he's a really talented back, but is he one that's going to be productive, realistically speaking, for more than five years, six years? If it takes you two to get ready to really compete, and then you only have three years left of him, and maybe he gets hurt for one of those or something, I don't know. Um, Yeah, so to me, if you got the 101 naturally, I would think twice about Brees Hall, but I, I wouldn't steer you away from it. I would just think about it. <laughs> um, that leaves us with uh, the, the Dolphins are our last team um, in the East, correct? And they are one where they did not have much in the way of draft picks. Um, we only have on the offensive side of the ball, fourth round wide receiver, Eric Uzakanma from Texas Tech, who was, um, I, I believe he got hurt later in the season, but when for the bulk of the season was one of the most productive receivers in the NCAA entirely. Um, at one point, he was the leading receiver through a couple weeks um, in the NCAA entirely. Uh, and they drafted Skylar Thompson in the seventh round out of Kansas State, also went above Carson Strong. Um, so let's start. With Izukanma, uh, is this someone that you watched? And if so, what was your kind of take there? I is think it... physically good, big body receiver, right? I mean, it falls into a lot of those stereotypes. Yeah, big, strong, physical guy, uh, pretty good release. Um, uses hands really well. It's high, kind of creates the separation. Isn't going to be a guy who's necessarily going to be beating down the field, but is able to use his body to go up and go get it. Um, more like a Mike Williams type, where people, well, people you know profile Mike Williams to be, I should say. Um, I think that this guy is more limited when he's route running when it comes to the intermediate or short routes. Uh, I think he's more of a, a, meet, a mid to, you know, some deeper routes using his body slants and curls, stuff like that. Um, he has the left side, though, like he's talk, he pointed out, definitely a offensive-friendly system. He came from with some of those numbers, but was very productive and is a guy that kind of has a nose for how to get open. He reads zones pretty well, knows where to kind of sit his body out, and it's pretty physical after the catch. So you put all those things together, nice player, but don't see really opportunity for him in Miami right now. Got so many different mouths to feed. The receivers are kind of different uh, shaped in a sense. Maybe he gets kind of a 
uh, a Kenyan born role that maybe he stumbles into some kind of relevance down the road. Uh, but I say right now for standard wise, definitely not on your radar for maybe dynasty road, probably not the first year. Maybe you're looking next year if you're looking to kind of where guys are kind of falling or, you know, guys are kind of adjusting around those top receivers, you know, around Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's like he's still kind of a featured guy. So right now, though, there's so many mouths to feed on offense that you didn't think about having him. Um, the quarterback, Scott Thompson, is a draft analyst darling. People love him. I think he projects to be something physically that he has these skills that he can kind of, you can mold possibly analytics-wise. I think you see a guy is got the accuracy of Taysom Hill, probably the physicality of Taysom Hill. So you might as well just eject Taysom Hill, but didn't run the same 40 as Taysom Hill. So... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about the Dolphins draft. Zukanma is someone that I liked as well. Uh, again, just solid, big-bodied receiver. But in the fourth round and coming into this situation, there's just not much to say here. Um, what I thought about a best draft to throw some more draft couple at the offensive line. I know that they spent a lot over the last couple of years, and they spent money on free agency wise. But hey, the fourth round there were some guys on the board I still thought could be quality guys over maybe a guy coming off surgery, that receiver that probably won't see the field this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so we're on to the AFC South, and this is a team where a lot of a lot of skill position, I'm realizing, went to the um, went to the AFC kind of in general, uh, I'm, I'm realizing. But uh, a, another skill position, deep team, a lot of skill position players in this draft for them. Um, we're going to move on to the South again, which the Tennessee Titans – they traded away A.J. Brown to get the pick that they used to draft someone that was commonly comped to A.J. Brown in Traylon Burks. Um, we also have, this is the landing spot of Malik Willis. We got an offensive tackle in the second round. Um, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan lands here. Um, Okonkwu out of Maryland, the tight end. He lands here in the fourth round. Kyle Phillips out of UCLA uh, lands here in the fifth round. Um, so plenty to talk about. Let's kind of key in on Burks, Willis, uh, and a little bit of Haskins and what the offensive line addition kind of means here. Um, but first, Burks is someone that we were both uh, both high on. So what was your reaction, one, to the trade just occurring in general, and then two, uh, what do you make of his landing spot here? Because I, I actually think it is a pretty solid one. Well, before I answer that question, I just want to see, do we need to go to break? Yeah, that this is actually, it's a good halfway point where I think we can go ahead and do that. Let's get that in now. Summer is coming, the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. In summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their Performance Package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants, looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive head first into the summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer bod. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop 
Reviver Toner and Performance Boxer Briefs with a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Want to take your grooming to games even further? Take a look at Manscaped Shears 2.0, a package that has everything you need to look pristine. Nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the Performance Package 4.0, your balls will be ready to impress. But make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0 and you'll be ready to perform from head to toe. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. And one more time, that's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is a summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. All right. <laughs> thank you, Dan, for that that read. Um, and thank you, Chris, for the reminder. Um, but again, back to the Tennessee Titans. Um, again, what, so the Traylon Burks the trade with A.J. Brown, what were your thoughts there as well as what are your thoughts about his landing spot? Yeah, the big news of the draft seemed to be the A.J. Brown trade. Um, absolutely kind of caught people off guard. Wasn't this something caught me off guard? I think Tennessee has some big you know, expenses coming up on their books. They're kind of figuring out what they're going to do. with something society kind of you know, projecting down the future. I think Tennessee showed their cards. This team's not trying to win Super Bowl right now. And I think that they realize that they got to kind of start cutting their losses sooner than later. Um, Traylon Brooks is, is obviously a replacement for A.J. Brown. I think this guy's a stud, a receiver that I absolutely love. I don't care what he ran in the 40. Um, I don't care what he did combine. Having said all that, people need to temper expectations just a little bit with him. Um, he's not going to come out and beat Debo Samuel this year, past year. Debo Samuel was Debo Samuel's first couple of years. Um, he's not going to come out and beat A.J. Brown immediately either. A.J. Brown had a ridiculous amount of long touchdowns his rookie year that he was able to kind of catch young, catch short passes and turn into big plays. Traylon Brooks has a skill set, but I think he's going to have three or four you know, 50-yard touchdown passes and break them. So these are things just kind of saying that Traylon Brooks is definitely a guy that you want to have in all redraft standard scoring, PPR, get your hands on the guy. Dynasty, absolute guy. I think he should, you know, debatable top five guy because I think he's definitely going to eat at some point sooner than later. But I would just say, just temper the expectations just a little bit. There was talk about him coming out of camp, being a little bit out of shape. People are, you know, he's going to always, he's out of shape. They're going to, people are going to try to make this guy something he's not quite yet. So that's the only part I kind of hope people don't overreact or underreact because there's going to be people who are going to start saying he's got can't play. But they did DK Metcalf coming into camp and all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, he is pretty good actually. So on your behalf, Adam, he always tells me, you know, buy guys low sometimes. I think this is a guy that if you start hearing some kind of, negative talk maybe you you're kind of chopping a bit like well maybe the trailer burks hey if you don't dump them hey give me a call because i think yeah. this is a guy that you definitely want to get your hands on for sure yeah I, I, again i i think his fit for this offense um it, it's pretty interesting because he does profile very similar to aj brown we've seen what he can do with ryan Tannehill. um i'm all, all on board um it, it's going to be something where there is a bit of uh it's going to take a little bit um, i i think there's no question there he is someone who needs to, you know, develop more of a route tree, but he's such a natural receiver. I, I, I am very confident in that transition occurring and occurring seamlessly and occurring quickly, um, but it, it's not going to be an immediate. Um, and, and especially with hearing that he is uh, came into camp a little out of shape, not overly concerned about that, but it, it, it could indicate a potential slow start just a couple weeks at the beginning of the season. My biggest concern is honestly is the volume. While 
you know, AJ Brown make I, I put out the big plays because he kind of made the best that he could of the limited volume he got. Um, Corey Davis was kind of you know underwhelming for a couple of years there with Tennessee's number one receiver and got replaced eventually by AJ Brown. But that 900 yards, six touchdowns, that's what this offense kind of provides for you as that kind of receiver because Robert Woods, if he's healthy this year, not say if he's healthy, is not a guy who's going to disappear. He's a very good receiver and will be Ryan Tannehill a guy that he's going to look for. Uh, about Jarvis Landry being in Miami, who right now loved throwing the ball to him. So it's not a guarantee that Traylon Burks is his favorite target, like A.J. Brown kind of was. Not to say that you know, Traylon Burks won't be the stud that he definitely, because I think he's T.O. DK Metcalf kind of hybrid in a sense. Um, I love this guy physically, but I think when he looks at kind of the thing that you're walking into situation, you got a team kind of under um, transition in some, some capacities. If it becomes Willis down the road, still shouldn't hurt Traylon Burks, but all these things kind of hinder well, you necessarily get the volume you're looking for and make best because with the running game they have and Robert Woods, some other guys they added to this offense, there could be other mouths that kind of you know pick away some of his production. Yeah, and let's get into that. Uh, you mentioned Willis, so I think it's time that we can talk there. Um, I got to be honest, I'm impressed with the NFL. I, I We heard all of the rumors that he was going to go super early. Um, and just how raw he was. I get that he has a lot of talent, but this was not someone who was ready um, to play NFL quarterback anytime soon. That being said, this is an interesting landing spot for him. This is a, a situation in which I could see him having some kind of success. Um, he does have physical tools. He could be successful. Um, is it something where I would want to bank a first-round pick on it? No, absolutely not. Um, however... A situation where he could sit for a couple years and, you know, maybe figure something out down the road is is what he needed. Um, in a situation where I th- that can use his legs in a positive manner, um, I-, I think this is a good one. What, what are your thoughts with him uh, as far as the landing spot and everything like that goes? So I know I know on the exterior, and I could be wrong about this, but on the exterior it seems that way because it's Tennessee and this is how the team is built. But let's not forget, Arthur Smith's no longer the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. And this offense struggled to get the passing attack last year. Had a Julio Jones, had A.J. Brown, and struggled. So Todd Downing, to me, is not the answer. I do not think he's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's a terrible schemer. And I don't trust him. So I have some concerns that if he's going to be the offensive coordinator, what is the upside for this team? Now, if he's not the offensive coordinator... And let's just flip the page and maybe conjecture to a degree. But dynasty-wise, Mike Brable didn't look too happy after trade that, after that draft. Um, I think he wants to win, but that team seems to be kind of punting the season. They're within about the you know, best record in football last year. Usually teams don't replace their quarterback and replace their star receiver the following season. Um, if he were to move on, this team could easily have a new coach. And if that happens, then you get your guy. But Malik Willis does not have – well, I'm proud of you. I agree with you. I'm proud of the NFL for showing some restraint. As a result, he doesn't have the draft capital, quote-unquote, invested in him. And therefore, replacing a third-round quarterback isn't too hard if you don't impress immediately. And I don't know if he's going to get a chance to impress immediately, so it's going to be really interesting. Maybe next year if there's a, you know, a change in guard and they're trying to figure out how to kind of promote a competition – if he doesn't get on the field this year, I don't know, Adam. I, I do question some of the dynasty value. 
yeah, happily spent. Sorry. Yeah, the the value is going to be really interesting um, with him. It's especially interesting just because of the rest of the class. Just there not being much to be excited for. Um, the the quarterbacks that do have any type of excitement. So Pickett, who went in the first round, is going to get an early crack at the starting job. Um, Willis, who has the the rushing upside. Ritter, who has the rushing upside to an extent, and also was the second quarterback taken. Those guys, people are getting a lot excited for in Dynasty, overly, in my opinion. Um, I don't know, but it, it is interesting because the scarcity of the most important position uh, when you suspect that most, the majority of Dynasties are super flex or 2QB, where the value of the quarterback position is pretty high. Um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting situation. It's one where maybe a, a third-round flyer on a Willis makes sense, but he's going in the middle of the second in a lot of cases. A bit rich for me, um, just because I don't necessarily love the odds of things working out, but I, I can't knock someone for taking the flyer on him just because the upside is so unreal. He's the only one that I think has that ceiling. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. For fantasy yeah, purposes. I think physical wise, my, my like I said, the, my one issue is the, is the landing spot. If it was Seattle, if it was Carolina, if it was even the Texans, the three franchises where I think that Texans are the extreme where you can run around and things happen and become worth something. The other two teams, you have playmakers around you. They can kind of let you just do your thing, throw the ball 50%, but throw bombs and run around and things happen. Uh, Pittsburgh's another team would be a good fit for him, possibly, you know, fantasy wise. Tennessee, though, is a weird team because their defense isn't dominant per se. Their offense is very dependent on their running game. So we put those things together. Yeah, you look, you think maybe he could be like a Lamar Jackson type of guy or a Jalen Hurts type of guy, but they're not kind of built the same way. So it's it's really interesting to see will he have that kind of, you know, the upside where he is, especially the team is kind of, it seems to be, like I said, in transition where you're off the lines questionable. Tyler Wan's getting up there in age. Um, Quarterback situation is probably going to get side this year or next. Your running back situation is probably going to get addressed sooner than later because he's in a big contract on his last year too. So that's going to be a team that could different transition. And Malik Willis is kind of on a team that, you know, like the Texans, he gets run around and make things happen. That'd be great. But if it's a team where we're changing coaches or we're changing different things in personnel and schemes, then you might be the guy who goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick, what are your thoughts on Hassan Haskins? Just quick. 
I think he's just a guy. Um, that guy that I'm really impressed with, a guy that I think that you can find a dime a dozen. It's just a running back that I think that there's a million of guys just like him. All right, cool. All I needed. Um, this is not one that we can kind of run through quickly. There's not a lot of offensive stuff to talk about here. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got a center Luke Fortner out of Kentucky um, in the third round. They got running back Snoop Connor in the fifth round. What are your thoughts? Just kind of blanket there. Uh, I, I guess more so with Fortner, really, because he's the one that has the, the better chance of, of um, being impactful. Yeah, I mean, I think that you definitely need to continue to improve this interior offense of the Jacksonville. Um, I still think they should upgrade off the line. I don't like the draft at all for the most part, especially Trevor Lawrence. And I still think even though that, you know, it's fourth, fifth rounders talking about, still this team has a lot of holes and guys are still on the board. I look at some of the undrifted free agents, for example, this year, and I'm just shocked how many guys I think could play in the NFL. That when I look at teams like Jacksonville, I see, I see why the guys went undrafted because you drafted guys who I just don't see being that high on my board. Um, so I think when you look at Snoop Connor, for example, you have running backs galore in Jacksonville and a guy that profiles much differently than what you already have. I don't see. So I, I really, I kind of worry about the offense in general and I really see nothing. They did really fantasy in the draft to really improve fantasy wise. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think this is a team we can kind of be through quickly because there really isn't much to say. I don't see how the draft improved their offense really at all. Um, and that's not a good thing for Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if the free agency really improved it that much either. They made a lot of movement. They spent a lot of money, but like marketed improvements, I struggle to see them. Um, the one I'll give him, Brandon Sheriff, if he's healthy. Yeah, agreed. He's, agreed. He's, he's an all pro. That's a guy you could build your offense in a sense around. Yes. That top tier guard. He is the exception to what I just said. Absolutely. There's no question there. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you checked me on it. Makes that correction. Um, but you were right. Brandon Sheriff is a genuine good addition. Um, all of the receivers, um, everything else, don't know about that, but I'll admit, yes, he, he's a good addition. Um, adding another tight end, weird move, but nonetheless, sure. Um, the Texans are another one we can kind of go through quickly, but I do want your take, especially on, and this is an interesting pairing, on Kenyon Green and Damian Pierce. Um, specifically in what can Kenyon Green bring to the run game? And this is a team with a, a sorted bag of misfit poise at the running back position. Do you think that Pierce has a real chance to at least take the early down role here? So first to Green, I love Kenyon Green. I had this guy as a top 10 in my book. Um, I'm not one of these people who just, hates guards for no reason. Um, as a Colts fan, you know how pivotal Nelson has been for your offense. Green is not quite in the same stratosphere as Nelson, but he's not that far behind him. This is a guy who could definitely get a push. A guy who's pretty solid pass protection going up anywhere on the – part of the reason he not got knocked this year is because he graded a little bit lower this past year because he played tackle, played left tackle. He played right tackle, he played guard, he played center, he played every position on the offensive line. This guy is a stud. Um, so he's a great addition for that and will help their offensive line tremendously. This team could not get any kind of push. They committed to the run last year, but it was god awful. Um, so I love him and I love him what he can have, you know, to the help add to their fantasy production. Having said that, I know people love Pierce in Florida. 
and it's gonna analyze Starlings. This guy can project if he gets those many carries, this many touches, he's gonna do this. The problem is he's in the same situation until I see otherwise that he was in Florida, where he's gonna split touches. Last year, the Texans had nothing to play for. Agreed. They're starting backfield with Rex Burkhead, Mark Ingram. Was that playing for the future? Did any of the young guys play in the beginning of the season? Philip Lindsay played, another veteran, played everything but their young guys. I don't think that I can – I think the one kid they tried to hype up towards the end of the year, and I can't think of his name right now, um, might have played one or two games before he got hurt and it was never played again. I don't think anybody young that played backfield played last year. Now, they have different offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton's done the same thing everywhere he's gone, though he was with veterans too. So I'm really curious – to see is this kid really going to get that chance because I don't think so. From what I've seen the Texans do, it's going to be a committee. They brought Rex Burkhead back. They brought some other guys this offseason. They'll give different guys the opportunity to kind of be the guys. And if Pierce runs away with it, then sure, it could be his job. But guy's not a good pass protector. Guy can't catch the ball. So you're really hopeful he's going to get that early down situation or I think that he's basically becomes a guy that's just a guy that you're hoping some guys get hurt and maybe become somebody. All right. All right. Um, Smart franchises would be worth drafting him, but sadly it's Texas. <laughs> Agreed. Um, this is, uh, I think a lot of people see this as like, oh, it's the opportunity because there's not that much talent at this um, in the running back position there. And, I want to agree. I think if a smart franchise had the same running back room, you'd be really excited about him. It's just the Texans. <laughs> Rex Burkhead's still in the league. Like as I said, this guy got was should have been out of the league last year. Somehow is gonna got an additional contract with this team. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, realistically, uh, on the Rex, Rex Burkhead front, and then we can talk about um, one more player for them, and then move on. But on the Rex Burkhead front, the fact that he got another. T- chance in the league after the injury in new england which i don't want anyone to ever get pushed out of the league due to injury but nonetheless just based on the fact that that does happen the fact that he did stay in the league after that it blows me away um and you're in the 30s yes yeah um nonetheless uh mechie is our our last player for the texans i wanted to you know tie in the guard and running back together um and now we'll meet in the middle so (laughs) kenyon green when it, uh, round one, 15th overall, uh, we had Damian Pierce in the fourth round. Now we're meeting in the middle in the second round with Mechie. Um, what do you think here? I love Mechie. Um, people seem to be down on him. I was talking about this on the NBA Football Show that Mechie's not that guy that put it to play Alabama receiver, that stud guy. So I think he's getting knocked because of that. But he's a damn good receiver. He's not necessarily a game. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not, a, he's not a Waddle. He's not a game changer. Not Devonta Smith, but or Jameis Williams, but he can do a lot of things. He's not slow, so don't get that twisted. He can definitely play a slot receiver for sure. I think he can play on the outside as well because he, he's he's running really great routes and he has good body get off the line. Um, a guy that was, you know. With blowing up better than Jameson Williams was the stud receiver for a while there until he got injured. So I think the Texans did a wonderful job. While a lot of teams were, you know, scrounging around trying to find their running receivers who they wanted to get, such as the, the Giants, for example, 
I think the Texans did a fantastic job of finding a guy who's going to be a starter sooner than later and a guy who might be a eventual Pro Bowler down the road. I think this guy's got a lot of talent. I think he's a really talented guy. I am a little less high on the ceiling, but I do think he's an NFL receiver and someone who could be a very good two for a long time. Because uh, he is, to your point, where I will certainly not disagree. For a young guy, he's a very good route runner. Got solid hands. Um, a little on the small side, but he's got solid, strong hands. Um, like you said, good route runner. He's consistent. He's a consistently good player. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised with his – I didn't see a lot of burst from him, um, which I'd say I was surprised because kind of as you mentioned, that's just something that you – typically expect out of the sec you typically expect that out of an alabama receiver and it's not a bad thing that that's not there it was just it's one of those things that kind of um drops the ceiling for him a little bit um now of course if he's becomes an elite elite route runner um then that's all null and void because you, you can get away with whatever you want if you're the top tier route runner um I didn't see that out of him personally. However, I do think he could be a very successful Z. And I think my outlook on him completely shifts if we're not talking about Davis Mills, a quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Davis Mills, I'm, I'm obviously going off that, that, that conjecture that this can't be the long-term answer. That's the long-term answer for the Texans, and God bless Mitchie. But um, <laughs> I look at this more so as, like, you have Brandon Cooks, who did, you know, a guy that, they're hoping to bring back or I think they resign with them. Yeah. Um, but still wouldn't be guaranteed going to be around for the long term, I would say. Um, and I think that a guy that has a little bit of injury issues in the past, definitely a guy who's more of a speedster. So when you look at what you know, a PPR machine, those guys who can kind of be those guys that, that can win PPR leagues for you. Um, to me, that's why I love Mitchie so much. This guy can get 80 to 100 catches, I think, in a slot. He's not going to be a guy who's going to necessarily, you know, Explode for his 17, 1800 yards, but he's going to be a guy who can get that, you know, 12 to 1300 yard range with 17 game season, get you between six to seven touchdowns, but be a guy who gets you six to seven catches week in, week out. Um, that's where I see that he has a lot of value. I think he's a, a way better Sterling Shepard. Yeah, uh, I like that. I, I think that's actually a really interesting and a, a good comp, um, actually. Um, <clears throat> Moving on, uh, we can hit our last AFC South team and then finally get to the West, which is the stars, all of our fun stuff. Um, but my Indianapolis Colts saved them for the last of the division. Um, and actually a lot of offensive picks here too, um, so bear with me. Um, we have Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati in the second round. We have Jelani Woods out of Virginia, tight end um, in the third round. Also, Bernard Raymond. Offensive tackle, Central Michigan, and in the third round as well. And then in the sixth round, we have tight end Andrew Ogletree out of Youngstown State. Um, so we can kind of ignore him for the time being. Um, but we can go back to Pierce, Woods, Raymond, second and third round guys. Um, I loved Pierce, personally. I, I, I talked about that a lot, and I was super stoked um, that uh, my team is the one that ended up getting them, getting him, rather, um, he's someone, a big guy uh, out at Cincinnati, um, big guy, a lot of speed. And what I loved and what I, I always talk about is the defining trait and what I love in receivers. He's a big t- guy, tall guy, deep threat. You'd think long strider, you know, that's how he's winning. But no, he is a he has quick feet. He has good hips. He is someone that, yes, his 
the routes that he was running in Cincinnati were not uh, he was not a super developed route tree. Um, but the routes that he did know, he ran well. So my personal thought, I feel strongly in saying that I, I do think he's going to be just a deep threat year one. However, I think he has all of the skill set necessary for him to move past that um, very quickly in his career. Uh, I, I think the sky's the limit with the kid personally. Um, I, I really, really liked him a lot. Um, he was in my second tier of receivers uh, personally. And I, I, again, I, he has the physical upside. He was productive, as productive as you can be in an offense that isn't throwing the ball a lot. And as productive as you can be when Desmond Ritter is throwing the ball within 15 yards of his target at any given time. <laughs> Um, again, I really, really liked him. Uh, so what were your thoughts there with the pick? I couldn't agree more. I, this guy is criminally underrated and this guy, you definitely, you know, piqued our listeners too, or watchers too, that some of the, should be watching for this guy has explosiveness. Um, I love the fit for the Colts. Um, definitely needed a field stretcher. Um, but as a guy that kind of profiles what you talked about, I, I agree with you, Adam. I think there's two things he he initially profiles gear one that easily as a vertical threat, but also as a red zone target. You've already heard news about him in, you know, rookie camp, excelling in the red zone, showing that he's able to get the ball out. People have talked about that a lot that, you know, just because he wasn't necessarily featured in the passing attack and especially in the red zone, didn't mean he wasn't capable of being really good at there. And that was part of the reasons the Colts targeted him. I liked him in that role as well. Um, he reminds me a lot of guy I love as well coming out a couple of years ago with Cortland Sutton. A uh, guy got similar kind of knocks you talked about. Oh, you're just tall. You're Mike Williams. Just because you're tall, you're coming from a system that's kind of raw. We don't know what you're going to do in the pros. But as you pointed out, you look at people's feet, their hips, and kind of what they can do with the routes that they were supposed to run, and if they can get out of their breaks well, then you can realize this guy could do a little bit more than that. Now, do I think his you know, bread and butter, so to speak, is going to be 10 yards or more down the field? Yes. But does that mean he can't be something that you can feature in your past tech in different ways? Absolutely not. And I think that's something that this guy has a lot of upside down the road. And I think he's clear number two receiver in this league, and maybe even higher down the road. But a, a guy that looks to me like a Cortland Sutton, like a T. Higgins, those kind of receivers, those guys who kind of it might take a little bit longer necessarily to kind of show you the boom. But once they do, they arrive. Yeah, um, I, I agree with a lot of that. And uh, from the dynasty perspective, I've been getting him in the second round of dynasty drafts you know, after guys like a James Cook, after a, in some cases, a Wandell Robinson, after um, a Damian Pierce in a couple cases, not often, but in a couple cases. So he's one that's getting, again, middle of the second round. In a lot of cases, he's there um, for a guy that is going to be a day one starter, more than likely, very, very likely to be a day one starter, and has high upside, a, a premier position for fantasy. Um, he's a steal for me in rookie drafts and someone I'm walking away with more often than not. Yeah, um, I think that, look at Matt Ryan now, you know, a couple of years ago, you guys got Philip Rivers kind of end of his career. Matt Ryan's definitely closing to the end of his. But Matt Ryan reminds me of Philip Rivers, before we got to the Colts, where he was in the Chargers, and his tall receivers, he wouldn't throw the ball up to once in a while, give him shots. Now with Pittman and Pierce, you got those kind of guys for you know Matt Ryan to kind of have success, and I think it's where you can see him kind of have, you know a guy you may have as a receiver on your standard standard leagues. Um, sorry, standard redraft leagues. So we're gonna come back and talk about Ryan specifically here in a minute. Um, but before that, there's another guy kind of in that mix, and that's Jelani Woods. 
Um, he's the tight end of the third round. Um, who? Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. To me, early on, I have, I don't, wouldn't, we're pretty much just talking dynasty here. Go on, it's a third round tight end in general. That's not something you're really um, targeting in a redraft. Um, And two, uh, he is one particular that is very, very raw. However, um, just given his size, given the sheer size and strength of this man, I do think that there's a little bit of a red zone threat early on here. Uh, No, I, I, I think there's a chance of that. He did show having big, strong hands. He does. I personally had concerns about him not catching away from his body very well. However, I think in the red zone, he was pretty successful. Well, let me ask you this, because you talked about Rucker before the Jets, and I think Rucker actually was a little bit more pro-ready in some of some ways. Um, and was what they like him brought is in the red zone, because they think that you know he had thrown a lot of them in Ohio State. He did have these amount of catches in the red zone and catches the ball with his hands pretty well. Um, so... If he's not a guy necessarily we're looking for dynasty-wise, I feel like Woods is a guy that I I personally wouldn't spend too much capital on just because of the team. Uh, they already have a, a very similar profile player um, in Moelle Cox, a guy that, that you know fantasy people have been screaming from rooftops to get the ball involved more for the last couple of years, and they couldn't figure out a way to do so. So I don't know just because you're big, strong, and fast that gets you on the field. Uh, the kid Parnum for the Chargers, for example, is another guy people love. They love his physicality, ability, big ability, but he doesn't play enough. So when it comes to tight end positions, I got to see you get utilized. I got to see coaching staff is, is coaching tight end friendly. Um, the Colts love to rotate their guys too much for me, in my opinion, for me spending draft capital on Woods. I understand that it was, there was a decent amount of draft capital since the Colts spent on him, um, but I think there's other tight ends in this draft I actually like a little bit. There are still way more. Um, and their more immediate impact as well. Yeah, so he is one that I'm definitely not targeting um, for any amount of immediate impact. You are certainly right there. Um, but I think his long-term ceiling is pretty high. At least his personal ceiling is pretty high. Um, he's someone that I've seen go late third round in rookie drafts, and that's kind of the point where do we talk late third round, early fourth, where – that's where it gets interesting enough to say maybe he's someone and you have to know your league too, but if say you have a league where you can stash someone on a taxi squad for two years, he's someone where that might be worth the investment in the third round, just because tight ends, a position of, of heavy scarcity. And it's a position where really to be worth a damn thing, you need to be top six or so. Um, so someone who has at least the te- top ceiling of that 
Um, I, I think that you, in the third round, consider, you know, taking the pick, putting him on your taxi squad, and ignoring him for two years, um, and, and just seeing where you go. I've also been, we, we talked about the Ravens, I've left drafts with Kolar in the fourth round a handful of times, but doing the same thing. Um, he's certainly not someone I expect much early returns on. I think for the first year, maybe two, um, we only see him as a blocker and a red zone threat, but he is the type of athlete where you see um, if he develops the right way, I think the ceiling is through the, there is no ceiling. Well, I can see what you're saying. Um, so in that real quick, like a Cade Otten, for example, where what round would be a reasonable dynasty round for him to go? He, he's in about the same third and fourth, I feel like. And I've been I've grabbed a bunch of him as well. Um, so this is certainly not me. Uh, uh, he's someone who the landing spot's incredible. Um, and, is again, he's someone I've walked away a handful of drafts on and put him on my taxi squad. And in the post, uh, I still am one that believes Gronk will be back. In the post, Gronk and post, um, uh, who's the other tight end there? Um, uh, O.J. Howard, I'm break. Brait is who I'm thinking of. O.J. Howard is Buffalo. Off- Buffalo, yes. Um, but it, it, I don't think either Brait or um, or Gronk are necessarily there past Brady. Um, Kate Otten is someone who I think, as soon as Brady's moved on, you are very interested in him. And even if Gronk doesn't come back, it could be very enticing to have him this year. Um, he could have some some 2022 um, usage. Um, that one we'll see. However, um, but yeah, the, he's someone as well that I am interested in uh, as a flyer in the tight end position. Um, our, uh, for the Colts specifically, though, our last piece is Raymond. And I want to hear your thoughts on what that means for them to get uh, a left tackle. Admittedly, not you know third-round left tackle is what we're talking about here. But for them to get a left tackle um, for Matt Ryan, who... I think the demise of some of his physical ability is a bit overstated. However, his mobility is that one shot. <laughs> yeah, that one I struggle with, Adam, because I, I do think Matt Ryan's is getting close to that their very end. Um, I was I don't think he can step into his throws quite the same way, but he can still read defenses. And a lot of times, veteran quarterbacks, that's the key. You don't have the spot to throw it to, and you can throw it a little bit of anticipation. You can get it there, even if not the same zip it used to be. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something he can still kind of be effective with. But I think what my impact on Raymond would be is that we talk about Matt Ryan being the quarterback. I think he would be the quarterback if they had Raymond last year. I think Carson Wentz would have been still the quarterback for the Colts. That's how much of an impact this guy's going to have. I think you're a revolving door at left tackle at the state of the kindest. Um, and you tried everything you could possibly throw out there. You had, I think, Sam Levy at one period, Davenport out there. Eventually, you spread, you know, Eric Fisher coming back. Um, I forget the young kid you finally threw out there towards the end of the season, but they tried everything. And why that matters is twofold. Number one, the first offensive line was banged up last year. Smith was hurt a lot. Ryan Kelly was banged up a lot. You need at least two, three decent linemen for the Colts to be successful because it can't just be all about running attack, running attack all the time. You need some pass protection. And it's Matt Ryan is the most mobile guy, so that definitely will help. This would be by far the best offensive line he's had in a long, long time. But Raymond also has some athleticism where you can do some of the things that Frank Alex could do. 
some of the Naheem Hines screens and some of those quick little hitches and quick actions and the jet receiver screens, uh, so jet suite actions, some of those different things that and allow you guys to kind of move around and kind of allow your offensive line, which is very athletic, to kind of attack down the field a little bit more and attack some places where they could be more effective. Um, Andy Reid made it, you know, be a tremendous coach with the screen game. He kind of forgot about that over the last few years. But Frank Reich was also a big, big guy with that. So these, this, this fit to me, the third rounder was was incredible. Um, is a guy a little bit raw, so I'm not going to try to act like you know, I'm not, I shouldn't act like this guy is going to be, you know, the all pro left tackle in a sense. But what he does is he solidifies what you need because the rest of you got your low line so good. You can sign Max and Nelson. He has a good guys to kind of lean on that can kind of help him overcome some of his deficiencies, so to speak, especially physically. Um, that I think he can grow into position, but he, he has a really good technique. He's smart. Um, he's not grabby. Some of the other guys are trying to convert to left tackle. I think never will. Like Trevor Penning, for example, for the Saints, I think he's not a left tackle, never will be. Uh, Smith, the Cowboys took, never will be a tack, left tackle. Raymond, I think, is built to play left tackle. He has the feet. He has the ability. He opens up well. So having said all that, this is a good pick for me. A guy that some people thought was a first rounder, it's, you know, debatable. And I think for the Colts, definitely something to address a huge need. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the Matt Ryan point, I certainly think his arm is depleted, just that it's not. We're talking more Phillip Rivers than we are Drew Brees, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I brought that up because I think it's it's super impactful for the passing game. Um to have that left tackle because you're right um for a good portion of last season it was a revolving door at left tackle and it it didn't matter if everyone else was healthy it was just a it's a massive problem when that's the case um and uh, to your point when another guy or two dropped then it was a massive massive problem um so he he certainly solves a a big need um for them and, and for the offense to be functional and just real quick for you know, some of the novice people, one of the things that happens when guys are getting pressure is you got to keep guys in you know, to protect. As a result, less guys are out in the route. So Carson Wentz, when you're trying to pick between Zach Paschal and AGTY Holton, they have to beat coverage and beat attention of a lot of coverage. So when they're not that physically gifted, it's really hard to do that with all these guys kind of being held in to protect as well. Um, that's what makes your offense so kind of vanilla and limited in a lot of ways. So I think it's going to open up a lot of things for Matt Ryan. As I talked about being a veteran who can read defenses, if you can get multiple guys out the routes, like a Naheem Hines and some of the other guys, these guys can all eat fantasy-wise versus having to be kind of dependent on having two tight ends out there, just one guy staying in the block all the time. Agreed. Um, we're going to move through some of this a little quick just to um, for the sake of time. Um, but we're going to move on to the Raiders uh, into the West as our last division. And to me – there's one storyline, and you, you know what it is, that obviously stands out from the rest. Um, and that's Samir White, that pick, um, paired with, I think by itself, that would be weird, but like it's a fourth round running back, whatever. But paired with, within a few days, or even a few days before, I don't really remember how the order worked out, but plus or, plus or minus 10 days of that happening, the fifth year off option of Josh Jacobs is also declined. Obviously, they also have Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, and we talked about how the Patriots treat the running back position. So with that melting pot, they draft a new running back, they decline their former first-round running back's fifth-year option, and they bring in Josh McDaniels. 
What do you make of this running back room, both in 2022 and kind of moving forward? I think you have a new Patriots situation, a team that's going to be frustrating at best because Jeff McDaniels is going to play different guys for different roles. You have guys more than like, – we're going to see what Jeff McDaniels has done the last few seasons. Now, he used to be more creative a decade ago. I don't know what happened, but since then, over the last five, five six years, you have very clear roles. You have an early two down back. You're going to have that kind of hammer guy. Then you're going to have a guy kind of a hybrid between that, a guy who can kind of the Rexburg head, for example, we just talked about, that guy who's going to kind of be a little bit physical, but also be able to catch the ball a little bit. He'll get very limited usage. And then you'll have the third guy who will be the clear pass catcher. Um, so we look at the team. You look at Kenyon Drake, probably the pass catcher. You have Jacobs, probably the early two down guy. Don't really have that hybrid guy on there per se yet. They did bring Brian and Brandon Bolden, who's always on a Patriot team or a Patriot affiliated coaching staff. Um, so what that leaves you with is an obvious role that Josh Jacobs is probably going to have one or two roles, but he's got getting phased out like Rex Burkhead did in New England. And you kind of just get a little bit of touches here or there, a little bit of carries, a little bit of catches, or you become that early two down guy. You, what everybody's clamored for the last few years that they hate with under John Gruden continues to be the case. Last year was aberration, and this and if next year you'll be looking for a new job. And Zaire White will more likely having a competition in the backfield to be just that early two down back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely the case. It's just so, it's such an interesting turn of events, I guess, for him. Um, you, you... But is it Josh Jacobs really has been banged up the last few years? Yeah, I think absolutely. Like, like his talent, but as you look at in a, in a caption of the running back values. Have in teams value running back and what this guy's given you, especially numbers wise, averaging the yards per carry. Now, that rear offline is not good, but you look at the numbers, nothing jumps out at you to make sure you look at like the guy that I have to make sure you're my running back moving forward. Um, I think Damian Harris has shown more this past couple of years in New England in the sense, and he's probably gonna get moved on from. So that's why I look at Josh Jacobs, not really surprised in the situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, is there anything you have to say as far as Dylan Parham or uh, Britton Brown or anything? Dylan Parham's are, well, those two guys are, are both good additions for this team. Both guys can play. Um, and and Parham in particular is a guy that they really need another interior guy. Um, I think this is going to help their running game in general and help Derek Carr have more time to pressure, throw the ball down the field. Um, you know, Derek Carr is terrible when he's under pressure. So if nothing else is going to help him. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I just love getting your take on some of these offensive linemen, especially when we get a little deeper into the draft, and I've done a little bit less. Um, is like a good replacement for Incognito in a lot of ways. A little grabby sometimes, but a little got a nastiness to him, but definitely a mauler. We love that. That's definitely the type of guy um, that they need. So let's move on to another team that went and got themselves a guard. Um, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. They went and got Zion Johnson a pick 17 first round. What's your thought there? We'll give the, the guard the spotlight here. For just the first round, for just that pick for the Chargers, A++++. <laughs> Thank you for valuing guard, number one, which the NFL seems to just not want to do for some reason. Although in the second contract, just to make a quick point, uh, the second contract for a, a guy rated for an average guard um, the average of PFF or lower is eight to twelve million dollars. So obviously they pay the second year of that guard for some reason. Even if you're average to below average, you get eight to twelve million dollars that second contract deal. So having said that, this guy is a starter day one, a huge impact player. Um, 
Austin Eckler's job got easier. Uh, we'll talk about the running back, Isaiah Spiller. I think his opportunity got even better. Um, this Charger team really struggled in short yardage situations last year, kind of forced to kind of use Justin Herbert in fourth and ones a lot and you know, fourth and shorts. And this team loves to go for it in fourth down. So having a guy that can actually get some holes and make those short yardage situations much easier for you was gigantic. And I, I think it was an absolute stud. Yeah. No, I, I love hearing that, and I agree. Um, he is someone that can really change what they're doing with this offense. And you brought up Isaiah Spiller. Um, he's another really interesting one who I thought Spiller was a bit overrated in the draft conversation. Then he slid to the fourth round. <laughs> and at that point, he became a bit of a value. And to me, and I think we've talked about this a bit off air, they've been trying to get someone who can take some of those carries from Eckler just because, you know, Eckler's thick for a small guy, but he is still a smaller guy, at least as far as his his natural body. I mean, he's a freak of nature. He's got an incredible amount of muscle for how small he is, but nonetheless, his natural frame is pretty small. Um and I say that to say they've been trying with a Bob Kelly. They've been trying with um, uh, Justin Jackson. They've been trying with uh, – they drafted someone last year. Um, they've been trying – yes. Uh, they've been trying to fill that role. I think Isaiah Spiller, at the very least, he's the best guy they've given that – or they've got to fill that role. Uh, what's your take there? Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that. I was a bit of a Roundtree fan last year. I liked how he runs like his physicality. Um, but he really didn't get much of a chance to kind of show out last year, so I don't really know what he can can or can't do necessarily yet. I think Kelly's a bum. I think he showed that again last year, so yeah. I think his days are definitely over. Um, I think this rest of the backfield is kind of questionable at best. So Jackson's the kid I do like. I think he's got yeah. some slashing skills, but I think you're looking for a different guy kind of to be at tandem with Eckler. Now, if Eckler gets hurt, as Jackson kind of stepped in last year and showed you, he feels the Eckler role better, in a sense, than being that tandem with Eckler. Um so I think Spiller has a clear role where he could be a short yardage guy. He could be a guy kind of a grinder. Um, if they continue to the coaching staff, you know, Joe Lombardi comes from that Sean Payton tree. If they go back to like the Alvacabara Mark Ingram pairing, this could be a fantastic fit for him. I still think there's some holes in his game that I, I'm questionable to see how much he sees the field. Not a good pass protector. Um, people talked about him catching the ball. They projected him to be a good pass catcher. I like to see it. Um, and I love the Chargers offense. That team loves to be a shotgun. That team loves to spread the offense around. So it's going to be hard for me to see if Spiller's going to be that guy in the backfield sitting next to Justin Herbert. Most of the, a lot of the times, um, I I think there's there's potential to be there, but I'm not spending too much draft capital in your draft leagues. I don't know about, you know, Dynasty, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, he He's going a little high for me. Um, but that being said, I mean, he, he, it's a really interesting fit for him. I I do like the landing spot quite a bit for him, um, because you've got an Eckler that your strengths are fairly hidden and it does limit your ceiling. But at the same time, I think it makes me more confident that you're going to be successful in the role that I think you are actually good at, which is that early down role. I, I think he can run between the tackles relatively well. Um, he does to your point, have a bit of an issue as far as, you know, processing. 
Um, but I, I think if they continue to build the offensive line the way that they have been, that'll at least be negligible. Um, so for him, I, I, again, I think this is nearly an ideal landing spot for him. I, I do like the pick overall, and I think he can be impactful in fantasy. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's definitely one of the better places. A lot of places I think better would be Arizona, just because Chase Conner was just hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is a good tandem fit. I just my trepidation comes more from how many running backs have gotten that situation over the last four or five years from the Chargers above board moved on, and we keep hearing this is the guy, this is the guy, this is the guy, and then so I, I got to see. So we'll do the Chiefs last because I think they're the one another. Another that are very interesting. There's a lot to talk about there. So we're going to go with the Broncos. And I think, again, this is another one like the Raiders where there's one dominant storyline. I really like the Chargers, too. There's one dominant storyline. And that's, I mean, I'll admit it. I think we all fell into Albert O is going to be the guy as soon as um, as soon as the trade happened. The trade involved Russell Wilson and um, everyone else. Um, the, the massive shakeup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. I think we all assumed Albert O was going to be the guy at tight end after that. Then they drafted Greg Dulcich in the third. Um, that's early enough to where we – and it's – this is a strictly receiving tight end. It makes you think, doesn't it? Um, what do you think about this move? Who do you think in 2022 is the – Denver Broncos tight end to own, or is there a Denver Broncos to tight end to own? Do you, are you just kind of out on the position group as a whole now? Um, in 2022, I'll be watching Albert O. I still think he's the most physically gifted guy, the guy that I still think you talked about, um, you know, Woods and what his potential was. Albert O to me was a guy that had a lot of potential, incredible 40, kind of incredible athlete, but played well last year from what I saw when he got to play. Um, Kim Block can get down the field, can vertically down the field. So I think there's a role for him that I still see him as kind of guy the best chance this year. Um, moving forward, though, it is gets interesting. Russell Wilson's kind of always found the tight end position to be friendly to him. Um, he's, you know, Rick Olson was successful there. Uh, they've had different guys like Luke Wilson. They have different guys kind of Parkinson, pop out, Disley. All these guys have all been in fantasy radars, you know, the, here or there because Russell Wilson throws tight end touchdowns. Um, so this guy can catch touchdowns and can be a guy that could be utilized possibly next year more often because Hamler has been injured. He'll be the last year of his deal. Sutton got his deal. Patrick got his deal. Judy's got some financial issues. Do you pay Judy? Do you look to trade Judy? So all the different things kind of leave factors that you could play a lot of two tight ends. Uh, Green Bay did a lot. Mercedes Lewis is constantly out there with Tanyan. Um, so you see that kind of, you know, marriage of two tight ends out there quite often kind of part of their personnel. I think Dolch is the pass catcher of the future. So I I wouldn't hate on people kind of spending, you know, dynasty draft capital. You can speak more upon that. But I think Albert O for me is the guy that I'm monitoring more for redraft leagues as, you know, maybe I'm not drafting you, but you'll be a guy that I'm looking to maybe add or definitely stream option because I do think physically you bring a lot to the table. Russell Wilson, like I said, loves their tight end position. Yeah, no, I, I do think that, again, I was actually really thinking Albert O was a really good dynasty buy, but now it's very, very dicey right now um, because I, I think Dulcich is also one. Uh, he is someone who's really interesting for dynasty perspective because of the quarterback that he's linked to for the foreseeable future and because um, 
he is someone that projects as a receiving threat um, at the NFL level. Can um, I just say this real quick? Sorry. Yeah. Dulcich is Jay Stenberger. And if you guys remember Jay Stenberger a couple of years for Green Bay, a lot of people loved him and loved the hype. He's going to be a pass catcher and all this stuff and stuff. And Robert Tony's a tight end for the Green Bay Packers today. So I just wonder if I'm just going to say that's what I think he is. Well, yeah, that's the people need to know what our what our thoughts are on the guys. Um, good, good. Uh, is there anything else you have as far as, as their draft is concerned? Real quick defensive note, Nick Bonito is a guy that kind of keep your oh, eye yeah. on. Is a, a outstanding pass rusher. So having him is going to help that defense and could be you know even better with this offense, what could be probably Denver's defensive team you could rely on as well. Yeah, I, I, good call. That that was definitely a good move on their part. Someone I think a lot of people thought would go, if not first round, at least early second. He, it was at least mid-second by the time he was off the board. I think 44 was when they picked. Um, very good value for them there. So we are finishing off with the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got really two things for us to talk about, although kind of a third, um, which we'll get to. They drafted Sky Moore in the second round. That's definitely the big one. Um, we also have Darian Kennard in the fifth round, and we can kind of get into how that's going to impact their running game. And they drafted Rutgers running back um, Pacheco in the seventh round, which normally I think we wouldn't care. However, this is a bit of a running back position that's in a, a state of flux. There's certainly going to be a competition for this running back room. Um, I, I think there's definitely a two favorites, um, but when there's competition, you know, um, <laughs> stranger things have happened. So we'll, we'll lead off with Sky Moore. Um, I, he was definitely a draft darling. A lot of people loved him. I wasn't super, super into him. What was your take? Well, I was kind of curious what you were going to say, Adam, because I, I feel like I'm being negative Nancy with some of these guys, but I am not a Sky Moore fan. A lot of people were. People think that, seem to think he's going to be super successful with Patrick Holmes. I just see it yet another guy that's different than Bernard Robinson, really, how. Like, I, I'm not really impressed with the guy. I know he's supposed to be explosive, but I really didn't. I'm not impressed with the route running. Um, I, I was hoping maybe you could sell me more on the guy because I think people seem to love him. I, I thought maybe I was the one who just didn't. I'm not a base guy, more guy. No, I wasn't either. Um, yeah, people tried to say that he was explosive, and I, he's not slow, but he didn't appear freakishly explosive either to me. It just seemed kind of average slot guy speed, um, kind of whichever way you take that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, it, it's an ideal landing spot for him, though. This is a landing spot that makes me much more interested in him because – one, just being a Mahomes receiver is a really good thing for your fantasy value. And two, um, this is a bit of an open receiver position. Um, so having said how we think about the guy, like what do you think that a realistic expectation for him um, is with the – or how do you think that the Chiefs receiver room will shake out, I guess, is a better question. I think that he might get – you know, a decent amount of playing time, but isn't the guy that I would necessarily think is going to be a starter. So think Byron Pringle, think of Darner Robinson, think of those guys kind of the, the a third receiver that got kind of sprinkled in for the Chiefs. Um, he'll have a little bit more volume than the typical guy. Maybe he get a, 
maybe he could be a Byron Pringle because Byron Pringle was pretty productive towards the end of the season last year. Was a guy that you know Patrick Mahomes would look for in certain situations. Um, I think MVS profiles obviously is that. I'm sorry, Harbin Part Two is the same damn deal. Um, and then you have Juju's probably going to be the slack guy for the immediate start because he paid him the money, which I think more would actually be the better position for more. So you have him on the outside. And like I said, I've seen that other outside guy. Usually they run kind of the shorter routes that Robinson, that Pringle, that maybe he gets that PPR wise seven catches for something, you know. Um, but I, I's not a guy I'm going to be targeting in any draft leagues. Interesting, interesting. Um, about dynasty wise, is he like? I'm sure he's got to be his, you know, a top top tier guy. People are yeah, he's in that next group of uh of that. I shouldn't say second group of receivers because I it really is more of a Wilson and London and then um, Williams and Alave, but then in that next group is where you find um, Sky Moore, James Cook. Um, Alec Pierce, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's where that next group is. Um, and in that group, I'm not really super interested And in Wondell Robinson is there. And we've talked about how we feel about him, which is not great. Um, but, but yeah, so he's a bit rich for my blood. I haven't found any shares of him to this point. Um, he is someone that I'd be willing to take if he fell to me, but I'm not jumping out of bed to do it. Um, no, I, I talked about the running game and what Kennard means for that, what Pacheco could possibly, but probably not, if we're being realistic, mean for that. And I bring him up more I bring him up more to talk about the general competition at the running back position. Well, what do you make of it and how much is how valuable is a Chiefs running back? And do you think one of them can really take the job or is it going to be a bit of a split? So I'm I'm hearing a lot of different um, you know talk about what's going to happen with this running back situation. Is it going to be a benefit for CHE, for example, because now he's going to be more involved with a clear role? I think what you saw towards the second half of the season when CHE and Williams were both kind of tandeming, that's probably what you're going to see with Ronald Jones and CHE. I think this year going into it, um, Ronald Jones will be the early down back. He'll do the kind of dirty work. He'll be the run red zone guy. It won't always be him in the red zone. It won't always be him in short yardage, but for the most part, it will be. Um, and then I think you're going to see CHE kind of have that more of a path-catching role, play more of that slasher role, um, the guy who gets kind of the draws and gets some of the screens and some of the other quick hitters um, running plays. So I think you're going to see kind of these guys split the carries, probably get between 10 to 12 catches at each, and – Neither one's going to be an RB1 or RB2, but good flex options, probably a good RB3 option to have. Um, so I think that's what you're going to see this backfield. It's going to be something that can feed you, but it's not going to be something to live off of. Yeah, I think that that is likely the case, unfortunately, um, for a lot of people who were either stuck with Ronald Jones after he lost the job or people who, who spent a lot to get CEH when he first came to the league. Um, it's an unfortunate reality, but kind of is what it is at this point. Um, that's not necessarily a backfield um, that you really want to be a part of if you can help it. Well, having said that, I won my fantasy league last year, and CHE and Williams, I mean, having one of those guys in your lineup 
was not something that was yeah. already in capacity. And as the running backs were kind of, you know, falling by the wayside, having that Chiefs team that really under, you know, achieved offensively. I know Terry Kills moved on, but this offense actually could be better in some ways because it played atrocious last year um, for periods of time. So I do think that this, you know, Kennard draft pick was a home run. So not off the line when they add to their arsenal, and so to speak, this team can ball the crap at anybody they want to if they decide to. So I think it's going to have these guys are going to get easy yards. If that makes sense, Adam. So they get the 10, 10, 12 carries for like 60, 70 yards, maybe that touch. That doesn't seem so bad after you get a couple of those weeks of those. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, uh, I, I especially Edwards Hilaire is someone that I think a lot was invested in, especially in Dynasty. Um, so it could be a little disappointing for some people, but I, I do think he has a role, and I think he has a viable role where he's going to be a good flex option that can help winning teams. Um, but for a first round back, <laughs> is that. Um, you know what what you signed up for, uh, whether or not it is, it's what you have now, and he is again a piece that you can be competitive with. Um, so definitely good to bring that up that it's not like all hope is lost. Um, for these guys, no, and the reality is there's very few of those backs anymore. I mean, everybody tries to profile a guy to be that, but coaches rarely give these guys chances to be a workhorse back much. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, Chris, uh, is there anything you want to hit on before we, we head out? No. no, I think it was definitely fun talking and recapping the draft with you, Adam. I think that we definitely hopefully get in belly up nation kind of you know, clued in what we like or don't like, and I hope that we continue to kind of evaluate the offseason as we prepare for the next season. Yeah, no, going to continue churning through the offseason. Super excited for that. Definitely it has been fun recapping the draft. Um, so, Chris – uh, what's going up on in the Belly Up MDFF show world uh, this week? So this Thursday, we will be doing our draft. We had a rookie draft last week. Which, by um, the way, I actually will be joining in on that. Awesome. Very cool. Yes, we'll be starting our Dynasty draft this week. Um, So we had our Dynasty rookie draft last week, and we're going to have our Dynasty league draft this week. Uh, mock draft, I should say. Mm-hmm. So we have... Uh, different guests, Adam included, and we'll be going through round by round, kind of highlighting the picks that we make and some of the guys that we pass on and kind of giving you guys, you know, some clues of why we did it or what didn't. Um, I think that's one thing to try to tell people. We try to share some of our bias up front. We also try to give you guys tips about how, you know, what these wise guys are something you might like or not like. Yeah, no, it's going to be super fun. So definitely excited for that. Definitely check out the Belly Up MDFF show. Um, Super, super informative show. Um, oh, I know you're on Thursday, but what days does it run or times? I guess <laughs> we'll be on. T- we'll be on ten o'clock this Thursday. Our mm-hmm. times a little bit are kind of um, had a change for a little bit as our our fearless host Dan's uh, schedule has kind of changed his other work job. Um, so hopefully we'll be back on a more normal time moving forward. But right now I'm only on there Thursdays. I believe it's on. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, and maybe one day during the weekend. I apologize, MD Nation. Even I don't remember all the days right now. Um, but I yeah. think right now I do about two or three shows per week. Uh, but you can usually catch us, you know, on all our, our replays. Um, but 10 o'clock this Thursday, I know for sure we'll be on. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, I will be um, 
had planned to have my my post-draft rookie rankings out by now. Um, they are not. I was sick last week, and that kind of put a, a bit of a damper on, <laughs> on things. I still sound like it a little bit now, but mostly all back to good. Um, so definitely expect that pretty soon. Thanks. Uh, very exciting. Yes, yes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, it's been a, a blast uh, recapping the draft. Um, and super excited to kind of get into some of this general offseason stuff, getting some mocks, getting some player rankings, getting into all of this fun stuff. Um, super excited to, to go through the rest of the offseason. So uh, thank you so much, and we will see you in two weeks. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.